0: LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen.
1: I'm not talking to anybody this morning. I've decided they're all going to wind me up and talk about food is not very good it's like doing my own fasting well oh, it is fasting actually but uh, and I did say today might be a peculiar program so you just have to bear with it I mean if all of a sudden I just sort of collapse in a heap you know just go with it go with the flow I've got oh I've lost it wait a minute well there it is oh god it really went into a panic because you can't have anything I can't even have a cup of tea I really fancied a cup of tea but I've got a water which is okay it doesn't matter uh anyway loads of stories in the papers this morning I like the Jamie Oliver story because he's absolutely right He's absolutely right. I mean, I know he's flogging a TV program, and I understand how it all works. But he's he's right in so much that the migrant workers are tougher than the British. The British don't don't want to work in restaurants. They don't want to work in coffee bars. Otherwise, they would. I mean, I, I can tell you for a fact. I know because I, I get coffee every morning, and uh, and I can tell you that in some of the places I've been to in Starbucks, they've tried British workers. They're rubbish. They're ru- they're not as dedicated. It seems stupid, doesn't it? Seems stupid. They're not as dedicated as the Polish girls in Starbucks. Pret-a-manger, they seem to come from all over the place. And, uh, again, they're good at doing what they call a service industry. The Americans are very good at doing service industry. You go to America, you can't really fault them on their service. You know, for the moment... We went to the, uh, this uh, Mexican place up in Covent Garden the other week. Uh, ironically... British guy serving, very enthusiastic, gay, quite clearly, that's why enthusiastic, very pumped. You know, but the first thing he did was bring us a big jug of water and some glasses with ice in and everything else, and that's what the Americans do. Sometimes he We have some water. Oh, God, all right. And so off they wander, there's no enthusiasm. You go to Italy and you get waiters in restaurants who are, like, 70 and 80 because they do that for a living. That's what they've done for their entire lives. Over here, you say to somebody, would like to get a job as a waiter in a restaurant. They go, no, not really. I'll do it until I can find something better. You think, well, like, what do you think is going to be better than that? Why not treat every job as if it's the best thing that you've ever had? Because you can make any job... You know, if I was working as a waiter, I'd be brilliant. I'd be fantastic. I'd be so... I'd be chatty and all the rest of it. I'd be... I'd be sticking a finger in their soup as it came out and so you know trying some of their chips and stuff like that so you got me talking about food already trying not to talk about it um and so that's why I think so I think he's right I think he's right much as it grieves people and he's right that if, if if you took all the uh all the all the European workers out of his restaurants you'd have to close them down he employs about three and a half thousand people I'm told so he's, he's, he's absolutely right. It's a shame, isn't it, really? Because you like to think that we're actually very good at it, but in fact, we're, we're bone idle in this country. We don't want to do it. We, you know, we just don't want to do it. No. Would well, do you want to work in a restaurant? Well, for how much? Well, it pays, you know, eight quid an hour. You're joking, aren't you? I can get more sitting on my fat bum at home. I'm actually, talking of people sitting on their uh, their uh, fat bums at home. We were talking yesterday about the... I think I've got the wrong glasses on. Uh, the uh, The Notting Hill Carnival. And it was very interesting, actually, in uh, so much as we had this story of these uh, policemen doing this, this dance thing, which, which they say kind of sort of swept the, uh, the internet. And I said, to be quite honest, it's a disciplinary action. You know, there were more, uh, more things that were taking place at the Notting Hill Carnival. You know, more, more crime was being committed. And we don't want to... You know, very sweet, I'm sure, the police officers to start faffing around like girls. But, you know, it's, it's not good enough. That's what we look up to the police for, you know, we know every year there's going to be a policeman dancing with a jolly fat black lady. We know that because it's the same lady who goes every year to carnival and looks out policemen. And they do it, and it's it's a good photo opportunity, but it, it could have been taken ten years ago. So these ones do this rowing thing. And uh, and I'm always interested in that in that kind of stuff. I'm always interested in, in something different, but not, you know, when you've actually got, I'm afraid crimes being committed around them drug cr- 61 drug crimes yesterday absolutely terrible and then somebody wrote to me pretending to be a policewoman but quite clearly you could, you could tell by the tone of this one she says uh, she says i'm about to get up for work again after working all weekend and a 12 hour shift yesterday i think my nine-month-old has forgotten what i look like you're clearly the ignorant one clueless i think you should have you, you should be disciplined immediately love if you really think you're a police officer you've got some chip on your shoulder and uh, she say, to say we sit on our fat asses is just rude. Well, it probably just applies to you, I should imagine. It probably applies to you. You quite clearly either don't understand. Or you're too stupid. Are you just one of these little specials? Because if, if the job is too much for you, for God's sake, get out. Because you're obviously in, in the wrong job completely. If it's all a little bit too much for you and your nine, nine-month-old son doesn't, doesn't know you, well, I should imagine will at nine months, but there you go. Never let that spoil a good story, I always say. And so pretended to be a police officer, as if we believed it. Quite clearly far too stupid to ever made it through anything at all. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I love the story of the mum. She goes out to buy a fly swat. A fly swat. Nicola Butcher was shocked when the assistant at the hardware shop refused to sell her this 99... nine don't know if you've ever used a fly swat. It's a piece of plastic, and you just go whack, and the fly dies instantly. It's fantastic. But anyway, the cashier's till flashed up a warning sign which said the flyswat was classified as an offensive weapon. Uh, Other items in the category include knives, fireworks and lighters, all of which it's illegal to sell to the under-18s. This woman's 33, which is very sweet. But she says the flyswat is a flimsy piece of plastic, not an offensive weapon. I mean, to be honest with you, a Toblerone could be an offensive weapon. In the wrong hands, it can be a vicious killer Cans of Coca-Cola. Bottles of water can all be offensive weapons. Uh, She went to the home hardware store in Romsey in Hampshire and she thought the assistant was having a laugh when she asked her for ID. The shop assistant manager said, we think it might be an error on the till system. I'm sure the member of staff asked for ID in jest. Well, don't do it. I've got a great story for you later about Tesco's at Sunbury. Tesco's at Sunbury, the garage. There. I heard a fantastic story yesterday. It's such a good one, such a good story, because it could happen to you. So I'll tell you about it a little bit later. Uh, broccoli is very good. Apparently it can stop the onset of arthritis. So the idea is eat more broccoli. It's a superfood and it's very good for you. I like broccoli. I have it with carrots and swede and stuff. I'm not a big fan of swede, but I have eaten swede and leeks and stuff like that. Then there's a case of the stolen iPhone and two little bozos... Uh, on a south end beach, posing in their pants. They're quite clearly boyfriend and boyfriend. And, um, they're... They nicked this woman's iPhone and then took pictures of themselves without realising that if it's an iPhone, it sends it to iCloud. Automatically, the picture is, is up, and so she, of course, could download it. And here they are in every single paper today. they go to find them, and I think we should hang them. Because, uh, you know, it's... You know, one of these sort of... And they're really stupid. They're standing in their pants on a beach. They're quite clearly a bit thick. But they obviously nick for a living. So, uh, so that's quite good, isn't it? Managed to find them. And the police say, an arrest is imminent. Brilliant. I love it. I love it. Uh, the hospital left my mum so thirsty. We had to bring her ice lollies. Talking about food again. This is some poor woman in, in hospital. And they had to smuggle the family. She was dying. They had to smuggle ice lollies in. After nurses left her so thirsty, her lips cracked and bled. Now, I have to tell you that this is one of the problems, that if you are dying and you have cancer, it goes through various stages. I speak from bitter experience, so I know exactly what it is. And the one thing that people's lips go is very dry and very cracked. And there's, that, there's nothing you can do about that, apart from normally people have a little sponge and they just sort of dab somebody's lips. But your lips go very, very dry. And then you become dehydrated. This one was too weak to drink from a cup. And uh, her thirst could have been quenched with the oral sponges, but they didn't. So the, the family bought her ice lollies in, which was the best thing. My mum had sponges, which meant, and you can see it quite clearly. You can see somebody's lips are going really, really dry as they're dehydrating. And so you just put a little bit of moisture on there. So I mean, it's, it's disgraceful, really, that uh, the, the daughter, Tracy, and uh, her father, Robert, said that the medical staff there deprived her mother of basic human dignity in her final days. She says, my mother was left dehydrated. I mean, it is absolutely appalling that you have to take ice lollies in to do something, which is so simple. Just a little tiny oral sponge. It's not, it's not difficulty. It, it, there isn't any difficulty there. Uh, the uh, the trust's chief nursing officer, Helen Blanchard, has written to Mrs Holmes, offering a heartfelt and sincere apology. It's not bloody good enough, I'm afraid. I'm sorry, but it's not good enough. I'm sick to death of bloody hospital trusts coming after somebody's died and saying, oh, I offer a heartfelt apology and uh, we'll take action to improve care. We're in the year 2013. We're not a third world country so angry about these sort of people. It can happen to you, it can happen to anybody. And where do you go? What do you do? You're banging your head up against a brick wall, aren't you? And all you get is some sort of po-faced old bag, you know, the chief nursing officer saying, we, we, we will learn and... We, we, well, you shouldn't be... You should have learnt by now, for God's sake. We're in the year 2013. This is a basic human right. If somebody's dying, they're drying out, they're dehydrating. So you get oral spongy. I mean, why is that so bloody complicated? So angry. So angry because it could be your mum, it could be your dad, could be anybody. Um, well done to uh, to Linda Bellingham. She's let her hair go grey because you know that she's uh, she's having this sort of battle with uh, with cancer at the moment. She said, it's made me closer to my husband. She's got a book out, autobiography, which uh, which is going to make a very good read because she has done loads. She is good. Re- but I, I did see a picture in all the papers today, and it does worry me. You know, you see pictures. People want to get up close to wild animals. Like that man in Australia who decided to get up close to crocodiles. Well, the crocodile got up close to him and dragged him under and killed him. And they they killed four of them. Anyway, here in a a park in Christchurch in New Zealand, it's the uh, Orana Wildlife Park, you can get up close to lionesses. And what they do is they put you in a cage on the back of a truck. And for 15 quid, they drive you around and you can watch the keepers feeding the lions. Now, because it's a mesh cage, the lions are climbing on top. They're also up... I mean, to be honest with you, it's an accident waiting to happen, this. I'm quite frightened by it myself. I know people want to get up close to lions, but the worst thing is that if they're on the top of the cage, lions urinate everywhere. And when they wee, they wee, I tell you. They make England cricketers and Monty Panassar look like they're amateurs. And so these people are up close. I mean, these lions, it, I suppose if they wanted to, could probably rip this cage apart. And they look quite... One of them is just literally leaping from the side of a truck and clinging to these bars because they want the food. So they, they, they almost starve them so that when you feed them, you get the full effect. Frightens the life out of me. Frightens the life out of me. I wouldn't like that kind of thing. It's like that zoo in China, isn't it? Where, they, uh, where you can pay money, I think it's about $100 or something, to have a cow... Emptied out of a... Have you seen this one? Yeah, it's, it's, I think you find it on the internet. It's a zoo where you pay to watch them being fed, but you're providing the food. So what they do is all the lions and tigers are wandering around in this enclosure. Door opens. It's a bit like the gladiators. Into the enclosure comes a truck with a cow on the back of it, which is alive, and they tip it out of the truck, and the lions circle it, and then they attack it, and people pay for this. If you've only got a little bit of money, you can have a chicken... Or a goat or something like that. It's a bit sick, isn't it, really? I don't mind watching, you know, things being fed at London Zoo. That's OK. Love watching the lions. Bit. The funny thing I said yesterday and somebody wrote to me and said, you know, I wonder what it was. If, when the lions roar at London Zoo, you can hear them across Regent's Park. If it's a quiet morning, you can hear really quite clearly. And that's how lions communicate with each other. But if you go to London Zoo, do not be surprised if you don't actually see them doing anything. Because they sleep for 18 hours a day. They can, they've barely got the energy, they're a bit like British workers, they're a bit like British workers, they like the sleeping bit, they don't actually want to get up, I spoke to, a friend of mine who's just gone down to Brighton to go to uni, and he's going to have to get a part time job, and he said, I think, I, I said, I, I don't want to work weekends, because that's, that's party time, he said, so I want to work in the evening, I said, well, that's good, I said, because you can't get up in the morning, he said, no, so there's no point in taking a morning job, because, uh, you know, they'll be sitting there waiting and whistling for you to arrive, not going to happen. So that's what Jamie Oliver has said. The British kids are no good at long hours in the kitchen. Somebody somebody phoned up apparently and said to him, I'm sorry, 48 hours. And you think, but that's what the job is. I mean, Jamie Oliver has sweated over his business. Now he's reaping the rewards, but he still puts in the hours. That's what you have to do. If, if you do something, it's like this job. This job means that you get up at two o'clock in the morning and you come in. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. Somebody else will do it. But that's what the job is. It's like if you work overnight, if you're the producer, you know, then you have to get up a bit earlier and you sleep during the daytime. You know, it might be inconvenient at times, but that's what you do. If you, if you don't like it, get the hell out, because there's loads of other people who'd be desperate to do it. Was that Tom Swarbrick trying to get somebody to dance at the Notting Hill Carnival? Well, they said no. <laughs> Who are the three on YouTube then? I'm going to go find them. They're happy to dance with anybody. Anyway, coming up on Nick Ferrari this morning at seven as Cameron prepares to chair a national security meeting on Syria. Nick will be asking what exactly he has to do to convince us to intervene. Plus, 50 years after Martin Luther King gave his I Have a Dream speech, Nick will be asking, has the dream been realised? And why do so many Londoners want to send their kids to private school? do they really? Lord Ian Blair, former Met Police Commissioner, will be looking through the papers this morning. It's going to be Syria, isn't it? And I think it's going to be the... uh, uh, Jamie Oliver blasting young Brits for being too wet to work. It, but you see, we don't look at this as a career. It's like, people want want to be radio producers, don't they? Well, some people do, but a lot of radio producers hanker after actually sitting this side of the microphone. And it's a constant battle to try and knock them back, you know. They'll sit there going, oh look, do, do, do you feel ill this morning? I, I, I could do the show. You know, we get that kind of thing. And it's, yes, yes. And of course I'm not eating food this morning, I'm feeling particularly vulnerable and weak. But it is, it is interesting, I remember, I remember applying for a job years ago at another radio station in this building. And I thought the only way I could get in there was applying for a job as a producer and then trying to get on air. And at my interview in this uh, capital station, uh, the, the people sat down and they said, take away pictures of fish and chips on the screen. That is just sheer bullying and cruelty. And I know people in HR. And, um, so, and so I come along to this interview at this Capitol radio station. And, uh, and I sit down and they say, oh, yeah, we're aware of your, your work. And you want to be a producer at, at this Capitol radio station? So I said yes. And th- then she said to me, she said, are you seeing this as an inroad into this Capitol radio station? So I thought, there's no point in luck. I'm going to be quite honest. So I said yes. She said, with a view to you being on air, I said Yes. She said, thank you very much indeed, the interview's finished. That was that. So I never got the job, because I, w- I was obviously trying to get in and do something else. But very rarely, I've not heard of it, I'm sure it's probably happened in a few times, has anybody ever gone from being producer to presenter? It doesn't seem to work like that. I don't, I don't know why. You never see jobs advertised on radio stations. I don't know why that is either. I suppose because the last time LBC, when it recast some many, many years ago, they got 9,000 applications. They had a big advert in The Guardian saying, you know, presenters, producers, APs, you know, sport people, everything. And they got, I think they got about 9,000 applications. It was, it was a bit overwhelming, actually. And I went to, to work briefly for another radio station, and they got loads of cassettes in. And we, we were given the job of sitting down, listening to these cassettes for people who wanted to be presenters. And I found it fascinating because I thought you were applying for a job and it was on a music station, as it turned out. And that people would actually say... Uh, that they'd actually do the intro to a record. Then they'd play you the whole record on their demo tape. Like, why would I want to hear the Spice Girls? Why I want to hear what you sound like? You can always tell if somebody sounds, you know, right on radio. You can tell within 30 seconds if they've got the right voice. You don't need to listen. So, somebody who makes a twenty-minute demo tape, for example, you are wasting your time because within the first within the first twenty seconds or thirty seconds, they've decided if they think your voice fits into what they do for a living. Eight four eight five zero Stephen dot uk. Apple pie and custard is uh, absolutely the kind of thing I am going to have that later. Actually, I am going to have that. I think later. Eight four eight five zero Stephen LBC dot co dot uk. <laughs> it's <a> strange one. <laughs> it's quite funny. Poor old poor old thing actually. And uh, and Steve, what type of food does Jamie Oliver restaurant special? I don't know. Why don't you go there and find out? What are you asking me for? Well, I sound like I know the sort of what you know, if it's an Indian restaurant, I know they do Indian food. If it's Tex Mex, I know they do Tex Mex. If it's Mexican, they do Mexican. Jamie Oliver, I've got no idea what they do. No idea. I just know he's got forty restaurants, he employs three and a half thousand people, and he's very, very successful. And he's right. He's absolutely right. He's got this one called 15, which is not for proper t- profiteering. What did I hear earlier on? Duncan talking about, is it t- Timpsons who are employing prisoners and stuff like that? So I don't have a problem with that, as long as they don't tell you what they do. I think we're all right. And if they're only making keys, that's OK. Mind you, keys, prisoners, kind of doesn't really work the same way, does it? Um, apparently, even Lord Hutton says benefits make people work shy. Yeah, they do. They do. I mean, I think I would take away benefits immediately. There was a woman who went... She was on the television the other day. She was on this Dominic Littlewood programme where people leave here. They go abroad and they, they think they're going to have another life. And she went to Portugal with this guy. They had a bar or restaurant or whatever it was. Anyway, it all went pear-shaped and they split up. So she comes back here and she's got a son. So she doesn't have any skills at all. And so the first thing she does, she puts herself on benefits. And luckily, she goes in there, and they go, we can't give you anything for 12 weeks, but we can give you a loan. So So they give her a loan, and then at the end of this, you know, she pays this sort of money back. But I thought to myself, other countries, you don't go to Sudan and go, "Uh, the benefit system is what? And they go, what benefit system? You can't just walk in and get benefits. You go to America, you go, "Um, I'll, I'll be applying for benefits. They go, what benefits? What do you think you're applying for? It's only here... You can turn up and they go, oh, yes, benefits, absolutely, yes. And so, w- will I be working? No, no, no. And it's so easy to cheat the system. There's so many bozos working within the social services and the social security and all the people they repay out benefits, and it's easy to cheat the system. And, if, you know, especially if you've got family, going, yeah, go on, fill in that form, that'll be easy, you can do that. We see it every day in the paper, don't we? Every day in the paper you actually, you know, read another story of somebody who's cheated the system claiming that they can barely walk. But, in fact, you know what they are. They're all people who, who just thieve. They thieve. Uh, having, um, having annihilated Greg Wallace, just about every, every TV critic, because he's just not a very nice person, now his mother has spoken out and said he's not a thug. Well, quite clearly, Mary, he is, darling. He is. And uh, her name is Mary Petman. So why is his name Wallace? Probably too embarrassed to have the name Petman, actually. I discovered somebody else's name had changed the other day. Somebody famous, but it doesn't matter. She says he's a very caring man. Mary comes from Whitstable. Now, I know Whitstable. I like Whitstable, but I'm sorry you're deluded, love. He's uh, He's not a very caring man. He's a thug. And if you can't see it then uh, there's something the matter. I quite understand how, how parents say, you know, my son wouldn't do anything like this. Unfortunately, in your son's case, he is a thug. He's not a, not a very nice person. The Mirror are trying to get bullying on the internet stamped out. And what they're saying, that inciting suicide online should be made a criminal offence. Absolutely. Internet sites must be more responsible for their content. Absolutely. Websites must have a button on every page that lets users report abuse with complaints acted on quickly. Cyberbullies blocked and offences reported to the police. And I think more people into court and into prison. I think it's as simple as that. Let's, let's destroy somebody's life. It's a very easy thing to do. You get somebody who writes something to a, a young girl like that, that poor Hannah who was uh, trolled and she ended up taking her own life and the parents have got to live with that, and there's some toe rag out there who's responsible. I'd have them in court, in prison, ten years. Couldn't care less. The other day we were talking about Dale Cregan. He's gone on hunger strike, poor little girl's blouse. This is the the one-eyed murderer. And he wants to be moved nearer to Manchester, to be nearer the family. To be honest with you, I think he should rot where he is. I think we're far too lenient on some of these people. Uh, more of your texts and emails coming in. And, uh, one here says, uh, this is from Joseph. He says, let's hope, he's a bit silly, that some disabled person with learning difficulties applies for a job working in one of Jamie Oliver's establishments. And when the person doesn't get the work, they sue him because they're British. Why would they do that? What's the point? I mean, how stupid do you have to be? How silly do you have to be? It's, it's a case of, there's no point in putting a disabled person with learning difficulties into a restaurant. You're going there to look for... It's like having a blind driver on the bus. You know, it'd be equally as silly, wouldn't it? Equally as silly, I think you will find out. Uh, Bob says, uh, Jamie Oliver offers Italian cuisine, different types at different locations. So there you go, never eaten there, so wouldn't have the faintest idea about that. And um, one here, uh, it says, uh, on oh, hospitality, hospitality. He says, you're so right, waiting on is brilliant fun and very rewarding when done well. I used to love it. Again, he says, you make the point we don't treat waiting as a career. It has no respect, yet in many parts of the world, it's a lifetime job. I'd love to do it again, but at 54 in England, it's too old. Yes, yeah, see, in Italy, they look as though you've just started at 54. They look on that. That's, that's their career. What do you do? I work in service. I work in the service industry. Over here, we go, oh, I'm looking for something better. Well, like what, dear? Well, I thought I'd like to sleep with a footballer and sell my story. I mean, can you believe that dreary old... Who's that old bag who slept with a footballer? Could be anybody, couldn't it, really? What's her name? Imogen Thomas. She's brought out a book over the famous people she's slept with. girls in heaven. What a tramp. It's LBC 97.3. It's
0: 4.30. LBC 97.3. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. They've
1: started culling the badgers... Apparently, they're looking to cull, I think, 15,000. This is to wipe out TB and cattle. And they started doing it the other day. They're marksmen. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the the badger watchers are out there. And they're very upset that the cull is taken. It's strange, actually. They, they weren't there when we were culling all those uh, all those cattle. Thousands upon thousands of them infected by uh, by badgers who carry tb and we've seen the pictures on the television it's funny you get animal lovers that they sort of they're not they're not bothered about cattle being shot dead and burning on pyres and yet you know a few badgers and believe you me we are we are overrun with badgers perhaps they wouldn't think the same about foxes i don't know but they're all out there aren't they they are the tree huggers you know, and if that's what the people have decided, that's what the farmers want, and they're the people at the end of it, it's really got nothing to do with anybody else. If you're a farmer and you've got badgers sets on your land, and they come and they infect your cattle and your cattle are destroyed, well, then you're going to go to the root of it, aren't you? You're not going to, oh, cuddly little things, aren't you? But you get these well meaning people, some of whom super glued themselves together the other day, which I thought was rather sweet, and they cry, and they, they clap, and they dress up as badgers, and they're obviously, you know, they're obviously animal lovers. But then I've seen animal lovers appear in court. People who claim to love animals, dog lovers, and you go into their houses, the RSPCA go in there. And what did we see the other day on the television? Some woman, she had 40 cats in her house. The filth and the degradation, it was so disgusting. Animals had to be taken out and destroyed because of so-called animal lovers. We've got this barking mad woman in Twicken, who goes around feeding pigeons. I told you, our pigeons are so fat they can't even fly. Terrible. And, um, oh, lovely, Dave owes us one. That's nice, isn't it? There you go. We'll take you up on that offer, Dave. <laughs> as soon as possible. So we had to do, we, we, we did a favour for somebody. You know. Well, it's not really a favour. It's no, no skin off our nose. I hope it worked. Um, Apparently, I shall never look at my feet again, says Randolph. Well, on yesterday's big brother, two housemates had failed to complete a task, and as a forfeit, Ron Atkinson asked for a foot massage. Well, Steve, when the camera focused on his feet, that was it. His feet turned my stomach. His bunions were awful, and he explained to his fellow foot masseuses the reason they were so bad was due to ill-fitting football boots. Oh, no, nothing worse than bad feet, is there? You can't do anything about it. Well, you can do things about it. I mean, I, I spent ages massaging my feet and looking after my feet. But uh, I noticed on, on Big Brother, it took a turn for the worse the other day, when apparently Big Brother's Sophie Anderton a rather disgusting, absolutely awful, absolutely awful, and Mario Falcone... Apparently was at the centre after he apparently whacked her. Well, uh, brilliant. I mean, brilliant. I didn't see it. He said it was just a bit of bit of fun. But she's she's so disgusting. I didn't. I've never seen anybody. So I've never actually seen her on a television programme apart from this feeble excuse of a of a woman. And uh, she turned up on this thing. The other one who's even more disgusting is that Lauren Harris. If anybody ever had a, an illness that uh, that needed treating, that would be it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, a fraud at an early age and now a failure, which is awful. Uh, 84850. I'm very sad, says Sue, to hear that people who are dying are still denied good nursing care. As a Macmillan nurse, my aim is to add good quality life to years. The hospice movement has done an enormous amount to improve Palliative care in the UK, but unfortunately there are still pockets of poor care. This is in a hospital, though. This is in a big hospital where they didn't know that somebody who is dying needs one of these oral sponges. It's just common sense. It's terrible. So, Sue, you know. I mean, I know because we use Macmillan nurses for my mother. And they came out. They come around for free. They come around for free. If you don't have any money, they'll come round and they give you that care and they can provide... You know, the commodes and somebody who can come around and do things. That's what they do. That's what. So, when they have their big coffee mornings every year, you should always support them because you never know one day you might need them. You might need these people. That's what they do. And so, we had a Macmillan nurse for my mum and uh, and you get them, you just wish that they could be, you know, surely if you're a nurse in a hospital, I mean, it must be common sense, mustn't it? If somebody's dying and you see that they're dying, you make their last days, weeks, hours, minutes, whatever it is, as comfortable as possible. You know, this isn't some sort of bloody joke or something. This is somebody who is, you know, who's probably worked their whole life. There's a, a picture in the paper today of a woman who was beaten up by somebody for 15 quid. She's an old woman. And she said in hospital, she said, I don't, she said, I've worked hard all my life. Why would somebody want to do this to me? And I don't have an answer for her. I don't have an answer. If it was, if it was, if it was a relative of mine, I'd go out and personally kill the bastards. I wouldn't have any, any hesitation in this. It's just awful. We just don't treat people properly. We just don't know how to. I spoke to a lady the other day. I see her a lot of the time in Twickenham. And she said to me, she said, when I listen to your programme, she said, I keep thinking, I'm sure life used to be so much better years ago. She used to be an agent. And uh, and she said it's, it's awful when you think that nobody's got any respect for anybody. And they haven't. People don't have any respect. It's a case of, I want, I want, I want. I haven't got, I'll take. Somebody else has got it, I'll take it from them. And that's what it is nowadays. And we seem to reward bad behaviour. Some, you know, Imogen Thomas, who slept with some famous people, has written a book about it. How low rent do you have to become? How scummy do you have to become? How, how low into the toilet bowl do you have to go, Imogen? You know, do you not think maybe you should find a job? Perhaps do something useful? Writing a book about who you've slept with? God in heaven. Your parents must be so thrilled with the way you turned out. Gary Lineker is going to play God. This is not such a news story at all. It's been done before. He's going to appear in uh, Spamalot. Apparently now Eric Idle his, is his new pal. Of course, as I say, I wouldn't want Gary Lineker within 500 miles of me. Thank you very much indeed. Can't stand him. Can't stand him, his crisp adverts or anything. Uh, Tom says, I know you're on a 48-hour fast, and I was on a 24-hour fast once, which was enough for me. But I have to tell you, I've just finished eating. I don't don't want to know about eating. What are you... Are you mad? It's bad enough sitting here thinking, I'm sure that clock is working very slowly this morning. I'm sure it's going very slowly. Erm... What's up with Tony Blair, says Ian. That's the big question they're all asking this morning. He's urging Middle East action whilst getting a tan on a is it a £200 million yacht. Good old champagne socialists, they're marvellous. Surely a special envoy to the Middle East he should be there trying to sort it out, not topping up his crocodile tan. Yes, I can't quite understand it, but of course it's not a case of do what I do, it's do what I say, I'm afraid, in the case of him. Uh, Bob says have a great day. Hoping to. Uh, Mario and the, uh, the slapping of Sophie Anderton. Carol Drunk McGiffin. I did tweet yesterday, please don't give her any more alcohol. It's like if you can see that there is a problem, and quite clear there is, and Sophie Anderton has a, a major problem. In fact, I think about half the house have men- mental problems. They're not normal. They're not... I've never seen people behave like this in my life. They seem to deliberately pick people for the Big Brother house who've got issues with either society or themselves or their cokeheads or druggies or their sex changers. They seem to be obsessed with sex changers. Every single programme, we seem to have had a sex change somewhere in there, like we're remotely interested. It's like somebody standing up going, I'm six foot three inches tall. They go, who cares? I'm a sex change. We don't care. We're not interested. But they insist on shouting it from the rooftops. It started years ago with uh, with Nadia, the Portugueseer, And, of uh, she talked like this. And she was she was quite feisty, actually. And she won. But then the novelty kind of wore off. Then we had a woman who turned into a bloke, but it looked like a woman. And, again, could barely go two days into the programme without having to tell you. Lauren Harris. Dear God, I mean, really. Where is that coming from? Where is that coming from? It's not good. Uh, 84850. Oh, Paul says, great to hear you saying... It is, as we see it, regarding the scum that walked the planet wasting valuable oxygen. I think it's just got beyond a joke now. It's absolutely got beyond a joke. It's almost... It's so bad. You know, people now, when old, old ladies are attacked in their home for 15 quid, when a man is massacred in Africa for the equivalent of 30 pence and a phone massacred by a gang, and you just you can't get to grips with it. Somebody, you know, walks out of a kebab shop and they're shot at close range for no reason. You know, kids now going round in gangs and they've got knives. And you think the whole world's gone balmy mad, hasn't it? Syria you know, sends over chemical weapons, no evidence to suggest where it came from. I mean, how has this man got to be running Russia? Is it like a lottery or something? They sort of, you know, stick around here, oh you've got the short short, you could be you could be president for the moment, take your shirt off and do your homoerotic stuff and then try and pretend you're all terribly butch. And now all the Brits in Syria are on alert. Presumably we'll be calling them out as soon as possible. And, uh, and the papers are saying, some of them, war on Friday. I hope to God not. I hope to God not. But I don't know what the answer is. I wish I could hold my hands up and say, I know what the answer is to a country like Syria. But, but I don't. Uh, they're going to recall Parliament on Thursday. There will be a, a government motion... Where it goes from there, I've got no idea. America says they're on standby. I hope to God this doesn't escalate. I don't need this in my lifetime, thank you very much indeed. And uh, all the papers saying, Blair the hell were you, Tony? Well, he's sunning himself on holiday, isn't he? Not coming back for that. Good heavens above. Bad news today, I'm afraid, is that One Direction could be given a TV show. They think that their future career is on the small screen. Sure as hell ain't on the big screen, let me tell you. There's people who've seen the film. And uh, all the fans, a lot of them, have said the same thing. They've now felt that the group are just capitalising on their fame by bringing out a perfume. And uh, some of the fans have said here, uh, is it just me that finds the One Direction perfume cringy?" Well, they've got nothing to do with this kind of stuff. What they're doing is they're milking what can be a very short career. And they'll be like the Spice Girls. They'll, they'll split up, they'll sit there, and then they won't know what on earth to do. Harry will troll about all over the place with his, uh, with his friends in show business, but won't actually have a proper job. I don't think we'll see them on the small screen. We've seen them on the screen, and that's quite enough. But the perfume, it's just, it's just trying to make as much money as possible. It's like a football club, isn't it? It's like, uh, you know, that's the, the kind of thing people do in football clubs. They, they change all the, the shirts every so often because they know that the fans are going to buy it. Uh, 8, for eight five oh. uh, Phil says, with the badger cull going on, will there be a surplus of shaving brushes at the shops? Yes, because badgers make shaving brushes. That's what they say. I've never had a shaving brush, so it doesn't uh, doesn't make any, any difference. Uh, interesting uh, that John Tarode is yet to defend or speak up for Greg Wallace. Or perhaps he knows what he's like. The trouble is he's a former green grocer, he's a thug. His mother, very sweet though she is, obviously can't see what, what we can see. I suppose the next thing you're going to have is people complaining about the boozing in Coronation Street. Oh, wait a minute. People are complaining about the boozing in Coronation Street. Apparently, they say it encourages teenage binge drinkers. Does it really? Does it really? Does it really encu- if it encourages people to binge drink, does it encourage people to, uh, to go and eat bad food at Roy and Hayley's Café? You know, does it encourage people to eat sweeties by going along to Rita's cabin? Does it encourage people to do all sorts of things? Does it encourage people to behave badly and have uh, and have sex with people and then have somebody else's child? No, of course it doesn't. Only the terminally weak and stupid would fall for the idea that soaps are blamed for booze binge teens. I tell you who's blamed for booze binge teens. All the little shops that sell cheap booze. And the supermarkets go around the supermarket and uh, they go, Ten cans, fiver. You know, 20 cans, 6 quid, or whatever it happens to be. I went to a a place, I went to Costco, and they had some Budweiser. And it was cheaper to buy, they had sort of a a special pack, which was £17.80, or whatever it was, for 24. But if you worked out the other ones, you got 30, and it was cheaper. It's about £2 cheaper. And I thought, this goes down to people thinking, oh, that's a bargain in the supermarket. What was it we found the other day? Was it Asda? And they had something. Cathedral cheese. It was like £3 more expensive for their so-called bargain pack. Absolutely ridiculous. Somebody says, I've just come back from four weeks holiday in Dallas. What on earth would you want to go to Dallas for? Four weeks holiday in Dallas? What on earth did you do? What in God's name do you do in Dallas? It's just skyscrapers. And you can go out to visit the set, can't you? Well, not the set. You can visit the farm which is used for the exterior shots of Dallas. The interior shots were all studio. I always used to think, actually, it's so funny, because when you look at the Housewives of Beverly Hills, uh, which I did catch a little bit of yesterday, and they're all living in these big, fabulous mansions, including some, some crackpot Englishwoman who had a little dog the other day. Her, her, her daughter called Saffron or Cepeda or whatever, I don't know, I can't remember, is getting married, and the mother is quite clearly of a, an indeterminate age. She could be anywhere between 70 and death. Uh, But she's trying to pretend she's very young. She carries a little dog around with her in this blazing hot sunshine. This little dog has got a little jumper on. I've never seen such animal cruelty in my entire life. This woman should be taken out and flogged. But there she is, parading her. Let's just call her fairly plain daughter, and um, in her in her wedding dress. But she's obviously not. But she lives in this huge mansion, you know, with opulence and chandeliers and everything else. And then you go to Dallas, Texas, where J.R. Ewing and the family lived in what can be described as abject poverty. The house was crummy. They all lived in it. Sue Ellen's, uh, G I G.I., another drink. And all this kind of stuff. And they're all living in this, uh, the poison dwarf. She was over there. And everybody else. And they're living in this pokey little house where the mum has to do the cooking. And I'm thinking, quite clearly, there's not that much money in oil if they're living in a, a, practically a shack over in Dallas. It was all very out of proportion. 14 minutes to five.
0: LBC 97.3 this is London's Biggest Conversation with Steve Allen.
1: morning, everybody. I keep thinking it's Tuesday, but I'm delighted to tell you it's Wednesday. Because uh, we've already had the, uh, the, the Bank Holiday... Mo- well, some of you had the Bank Holiday Monday. Do you know when middle age starts now? 53. 53. And there was a, a piece in one of the, the papers. I can't remember which paper it was. It was telling you of, a, of a, a game you can play with yourself to discover if you are middle-aged. You don't need to tell us we're middle-aged. Most people know when we've actually got to middle-age because you you just feel a little bit older, don't you? But they say it's all sorts of things, like sort of, you know, hair coming out of your ears and that kind of stuff. Uh, The fact you don't know who the the popsters are in the charts. Oh, look, Katie Hopkins, the woman who says the most stupid things. And uh, she was talking about um, (laughs) Katie Hopkins here. I mean, honestly, a deluded old bag of the First Order. She said, quite by chance, I recently bumped into Jeremy Kyle when we were both waiting for a meeting at ITV. Yes, it was, you know, can you not say any more stupid things? Can you try and be an adult? But uh, unfortunately, poor old Katie Hopkins, better capitalise on the five seconds of fame. It'll it'll happen and then it'll disappear. Uh, Rob says, I go to Jakarta and Bali for a month, twice a year. All right. Um, yeah, so doesn't interest me actually. I wouldn't want to go. Uh, Bali. I'd probably go to Jakarta. I'm not interested in, but Bali I'd probably go to. Uh, do you think Lauren Harris looks like a terror hawk? Um, I think Lauren Harris needs to sort of get the heck out of there and try and get a. I don't think it, it actually has a job as such. And uh, John the Cabby from South London said, "Quick tip: if you want to slap somebody, as soon as you slap them, shout mosquito, because that always works a treat." So perhaps Mario, if you're listening. You got that little radio we sent into in the Big Brother house. You can try that with little Sophie Anderton. because uh, she was she was so revolting and so disgusting. I was I was quite horrified. I'm afraid. Uh, Malcolm says I'm sure I heard something in news about feeding pigeons being made in a fence. Ask Rupert. Well, it's illegal in Trafalgar Square, but you get the barking mads who go round dropping bird seed all over the place. Uh, Miley Cyrus and celebrities branding this sleazy s- display desperate. Well, I mean it's it's just tacky, isn't it? Uh, Cindy Lauber said, it was sad, it was sleazy, it was messed up. Uh, Brooke Shields says, our children can't watch that racy display. Well, she's just sad and depressing, isn't she, really? And even uh, Selena Gomez says, amazing, I thought it was awesome. This is the woman who's chasing one of the uh, Union J boys. I fear not. I fear not. Uh, Picture here of... um, This is... What was I looking at Here... Oh, they've got this uh, this wildfire going on in California at the moment, haven't they? Which is terrible. And the Environment Minister, Owen Patterson, insisted he was no badger hater because as a boy he kept two as pets. Two as pets? Isn't that illegal? You can't keep badgers as pets. I don't think that's the right sort of thing, is it? Definitely not. And a woman who searches through skips, auction houses and websites for junk has furnished her home for free. Jenny Carruthers, 45, managed to fill her four-bedroom Georgian mansion with freebies after collecting for a decade. I knew, I knew somebody like that. I knew somebody like that who used to go round. Every time she saw a skip in the road, she'd make me, make me pull in and she'd start rooting through it. She found all sorts of things, especially outside old pubs. She picked up some doors, which they then adapted to their, their flat. It was it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, Gareth Bale wasn't the only Welshman with a tough decision. Apparently, Joe Kalzaki Have you ever ever watched Joe Kalzaki being interviewed? He's not the brightest, Benny. There's not a lot going on upstairs. But he's split from Christina Rianoff. Apparently, they paired up from the Strictly Come Dancing, and it's due to work commitments. Mainly due to the fact that he doesn't have any, I should imagine. I mean, what does he do? The answer is nothing at all. And um, he says, uh, uh, Christina and I have had several terrific years together. I just I just felt sorry for him that he was a bit thick. Most most boxers aren't, aren't the brightest pennies in the box. But he said, um, uh, he said, I very much regret my occasional use of cocaine. Yes, well, again, not the brightest penny and a bit stupid at the same time, I'm afraid. Um, but I, I think he's uh, now he's single, the ring ace can take some consolation. You can watch more of Cardiff playing. I mean, to be honest with you, that's it, isn't it? Kind of washed up. Once, once you're a boxer... And then you finish boxing, you're finished. Ricky Hatton made a load of money and then attempted to make a comeback. He was just fat and bloated. It's an embarrassment. It's like, um, who's that Chris Eubank? What does Chris Eubank do now? Does he does he do anything? Does he have a job? He used to go down to Brighton Seafront on his little scooter and scoot up and down, handing out signed photographs. Yes, I know you can't believe it. Uh, 84850... Uh, just to correct you so early in the morning, the little dog has alopecia. Well, why is it wearing a jumper? You don't wear a You don't take it out in boiling hot heat. That's just cruelty, I'm afraid. And uh, uh, one here, Craig, says, uh, you haven't seen nothing if you haven't seen how Miley Cyrus conducts herself in a new music video. Well, having seen our tap... But she got the coverage, you see. That's what it's about in this business. The business is getting coverage. You know, Tony Blair, Middle East envoy, on holiday, £200 million yacht. Quaffing champagne, you know, it's, they all do it. They all do it. Uh, I was very disappointed, says Richard, with Carol McGiffin getting so publicly drunk. She also hid some booze she found, presumably for her own consumption. It smacks of a drink problem to me. Well, she does enjoy her booze. Now, whether, whether or not you get her to admit it's a problem, I don't know. But I think that what Big Brother are doing, if if somebody is a coke addict, you don't give them cocaine, do you? The idea is you take it away from them. If somebody like Karen McGiffin likes her drink and is, an, is a very bad drunk, then you take it away from her. If you're giving it to her, you are encouraging the bad behaviour. So that's why. Um, whether or not when she comes out, she'll see how badly she... She knows what she's like, though. She's been like it for years. It's nothing new, I'm afraid. Um, another one here. 84850, steven@lbc.co.uk. lbc.co.uk. Um, apparently, <laughs> read The Housewives of Beverly Hills, Lisa Vanderpump... Lisa Vanderpump. I think there's a story there, ladies and gentlemen. Englishwoman claims to be 52. Daughter is Pandora. 52. She's the oldest 52 I've ever seen. Good lord. I mean, that's terrible. Lisa Vanderpump. So there you go. Are badgers in the food chain? Cattle are sadly, so you can't compare as cattle. Have foot and mouth, badgers don't. No, because they gave it to them, didn't they? They gave TB. That's where the badgers come from. That's why the badgers have to go. Whether or not it it solves the problem, I don't know. I'm not an expert in that. That's why it it has to actually go to the farmers. If the farmers say this is what happens and they've got the night sight cameras, well, then that's up to them. They go out culling. It's like foxes. I presume if you live in the countryside, you have to cull foxes. I am presum- I don't know. I don't live in the countryside, so I've got no idea. Uh, 84850, CVD. Oh, I've got some good news for you. I knew I had some good news for you this morning. I knew it was something I was, I was going to tell you, because there are uh, now many more ways. Listen to LBC's biggest conversation, LBC 97.3. Online at lbc.co.uk. On mobile, through our new improved apps. And on your TV, through Sky, virgin media and now on freesat lbc ninety seven point three anywhere and anytime. do we know the channel number for the freesat I do know it somewhere i' seen. no it 's not on here actually it's not on here I found it the other day i tell you I tell you, it came up i believe um i believe james uh put it on his uh, his thing as well so just in ca- just in case you have to go scouting around I shall save you the uh, the time and the trouble so you can it 's on 734 Freesat so on channel 734 on Freesat and the Freesat that's a subscription free satellite TV service which offers digital TV radio and interactive channels so uh, so that's good so that's good so many more ways that you can now access LBC for all those people going what can I do what can I do you can access it on uh, that other stories in the uh, the papers today this horrendous story from China horrendous story of a six-year-old boy's eyes that were gouged out by a woman who kidnapped him for the corneas. He was playing alone outside his home when he was snatched. His family found him covered in blood in a field three hours later. They didn't notice his eyes had gone when we discovered him. We thought he'd fallen down, and then they found his eyes. This woman took them for the... Uh, for the cor- I've never heard of such a thing. She apparently sedated him. I've, n- I've never heard of such a thing. And uh, it was a woman suspect, believed to have drugged him, and then ripped his eyes from their sockets before removing the corneas in a case of so-called organ harvesting. The police there have put up a £10,000 reward. I mean, I've, whole, I've heard of people selling their body. I've never heard of anybody mutilating a six-year-old boy. Apparently, she reportedly told him, don't cry and I won't gouge out your eyes. I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen, whether or not they can restore his his sight, but have you ever heard of such a thing? Have you ever heard of such a thing? It's just absolutely awful. Jamie Oliver's got another good, um... Oh, this sounds quite nice. <laughs> My you, food sounds nice this morning. This is a, a fish tikka curry he's offering to tell, Please, God, take the food away from me. Take the food away. Oliver, um, uh, Rupert Barty was telling me that he's found cashew peanut butter in Waitrose. As opposed to peanut butter, this is cashew peanut butter. Sounds absolutely delicious. Because I said, after I've, after I've done the blood this morning at quarter past nine, and it can't happen quick enough... I've, uh, I'm going back for, for peanut butter on toast. I don't care whether it's any good for me. I'm just trying to think. I hope they can find a vein this morning. Some mornings, you know, your veins vanish completely. But uh, I'm sure we shall get through. Anyway, it's nice to have your company. It's LBC 97.3. Uh, there's also the story uh, here of uh, Harry's girlfriend, Prince Harry's girlfriend. This is Cressida bonus. And uh, they're now saying... She was strolling along King's Road. I mean, are they going to get together? Are they going to get married? I shouldn't think so. I shouldn't think so. And, uh, and Keith Lemon, they say funny man. Not funny at all, as far as I'm concerned. Apparently, uh, has revealed his fear over having a showbiz shelf life, believing viewers are sick of the sight of him. Yep, there you go. Unfortunately, you get him back again, because he's coming uh, back with uh, the telly classic Through the Keyhole. But is that as Keith Lemon, or is he doing it as his real self, who is... I can't remember. So, I I don't know. A panel of famous guests, including Jonathan Ross. Oh, Dave Berry's doing it. That's all right. Not Jonathan Ross. I'm very bored with Jonathan Ross. It's far too old. It's like every time you see Eamon Holmes showing up on a TV show. Now you go, don't you think you're a bit old to be doing these things? Most of the panel are about a quarter of your age. Perhaps you should give up and retire. That'd be quite nice. News is next.
0: (laughs) LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen.
1: Morning, everybody. Four minutes past five. If we go to war with Syria, says Kevin, what odds the petrol prices will shoot up at the pumps? What was guaranteed, I would have said. Almost guaranteed, I'm afraid. That is the story that dominates some of the papers Not all of them, it has to be said. They're they're, they're not running with it as a main story. Uh, The Express are running it, but again, (laughs) they're more interested in the fact that broccoli could beat arthritis. Even though they say there's a crisis in Syria, the Allies could launch first airstrikes tomorrow. I'd love to find out if we could do an instant survey on LBC, exactly whether or not you'd be in favour of war in Syria. Uh, The Sun have got uh, Brits say no to war in Syria. So I'm assuming that's what most of you are going to say. They're more interested in the football stars' union boss, Gordon Taylor... Chased for a hundred thousand pound gambling debts whilst warning players of the perils of betting. Well, we've seen that before, people who say don't don't drink, don't drink, and then turn out to have a drink problem themselves. Uh the feeding of the pigeons story, I think, probably comes down to if you go abroad, you must be aware of the law. So, in other words, if you go to Venice, feeding the pigeons is against the law, because they don't want them there. If you go to Barcelona Away from the beachfront area of the city, it is against the law to wear a bikini, swimming trunks, or to go bare-chested. God, that would have a field day around London. In Japan, it's illegal to take uh, Vic Sinex into the country because it contains a banned substance for them. So, you know, But you don't know that, do you? If you go to Singapore, chewing gum is strictly prohibited on the mass rapid transit system. Barbados, you can't wear camouflage clothing. I'd have a field day at Waterloo Station in the morning. after the Polish workers down there have got camouflage clothing on. There must be big shops abroad, mustn't they, they sell. And is it genuine camouflage clothing? Is it ex army, you think? Or, I mean, why do people wear it? It looks rubbish. You know, you could spot you to go, oh dear, won't we be carrying a workbench, aren't you? Yeah, there you go. Camouflage clothing and a workbench. In Nigeria, it's illegal to take mineral water into the country. Don't know why. In Fiji, sunbathing topless is prohibited. I think so too. Have you seen some of those Fijian women? They're enormous. Heavens above, they, they take the bras off. You could do a total eclipse, I should imagine. Uh, and in the Maldives, uh, public observance of religions other than Islam is prohibited for non-Maldivians, Maldivians and visitors. So now you know. So just be careful. So if you chew gum on the transport system, you can be arrested. People can be fined. They, they, they're, quite, they're quite serious about it. And you're supposed to know the law. You are supp- Well, that's a theory. You're supposed to know the law. But, I mean, most of us don't. You don't check it, do we? We don't check it at all. Uh, Angela and Bob says, It's the uh, first time in ages been with you since 4am. Hope all goes well with the, uh, with the test. Yeah, I hope so as well. I'm <laughs> living over this blasted test and the peanut butter. Uh, if Jamie Oliver is so clever says Ian. He should understand that domestic sciences are no longer taught in schools, and parents have little cooking schools, except the TV chefs cooking posh nosh. Poor families with giant televisions. Well, Jamie, why not produce a giant TV show using basic ingredients and teach cooking realistic meals without the frills? Well, he's done it. He's done it. His last one was just, it was that 30-second recipe, wasn't it? Or 60 seconds or 30 minutes. Well, I can't remember what it was, but it was, it was using basic things. Admittedly, I can't follow a recipe for love nor money. No point lying to you. I mean, I, I I couldn't follow it. I do watch them, but that's why we, we used to like Ready, Steady, Cook with um, Ainsley. What's his face? And um, and um, and so we used to have that program. And they would bring on a bag of, of things, but then they they could add to it from their fridges. So it wasn't exactly that that ingredient. I don't know why they axed that program, apart from the fact it should have been Ferns. I only w- really wanted to watch Fern doing that. I was never never a huge Ainsley Harriet fan. I don't even know what he's doing now. Got no idea. I will be eating broccoli today, though. I've decided. I mean, I do like broccoli, and uh, unfortunately, as you know, I steam it to within an inch of, it, of its life. I'm not very good at all with uh, things like. That. I just tend to sort of shove it in a. You know, if I'm doing some steak or something like that, I tend to, to steam it, which is not good. You want to know if you're middle-aged this morning? And uh, here are some of the telltale signs: losing touch. With everyday technology, such as tablets and TVs. Feeling stiff. That's apparently a sign of middle age. Well, there you go. Uh, groaning when you bend down. Come on. Come on, hands... Uh, we all do it, don't we? Everybody does things like that. Uh, needing an afternoon nap. Not remembering the name of any modern bands. Talking a lot about your joints and your ailments. Yes. Apparently, thinking policemen, teachers, doctors look very young... Preferring a night in with a board game than a night on the town. Not knowing any songs in the top 20. Taking a flask of tea on a day out. Forgetting people's names. Booking a cruise. Misplacing your glasses, your bag, your keys. Being told off for politically incorrect opinions. Joining the National Trust. When you start complaining about more things... Always carrying a handy pack of tissues, spending more money on face cream and anti-ageing products and preferring a Sunday walk to a lion. All of these things mean that you are now middle aged, which means that you get to 53 and you might as well just give up. I always think my my favourite one is, you know you're old when you start looking at cemeteries thinking, they're very pretty, aren't they? That's a nice place to go to. And uh, so uh, you're not middle aged until you're 53 now. God help us. Linda Bellingham, cancer. I'll just deal with it. She says, I'll just deal with it. So, well done, Linda. Uh, she's got a new book out at the moment. Um, uh, the author and director of the play she was going to be going in on says, nobody's going to replace Linda Bellingham. We're going to wait for her to get better. And she will. She will. And Widdicombe's column, what is, what is the little old uh, tubby woman doing today? If only Downton was reality, but I'm afraid it isn't. They're showing all of them in preparation for the new series of Downton Abbey, which starts. So wonderful to see them all, all put together. Makes it so much easier for me, because I I loved Downton Abbey. I like things like that. As long as they don't flog a dead horse. You know, we we don't want to get to that stage where they're absolutely flogging it badly. Uh, The other day, says Paul, I was walking my uh, my TJ, the Rottweiler, when there were a bunch of bad-mannered, filthy, spitting teenagers walking ahead of me. They decided to run up and ring somebody's doorbell and run off. I told the lady that came out who'd done it, and she thanked me and uh, stared the little so-and-sos out. Next thing I heard, there was a load of abuse aimed at me, because I grasped on them. I was quite shocked at that, coming from such horrible little brats. So I sped up on foot a bit with TJ, and as soon as I got close to them, they kept their mouths very quiet. So I said calmly and politely to the gobby brat, your parents must be so proud, having a foul-mouthed little child like you. The others laughed and took the mickey out of him. I just walked off and went home. Yes. The trouble is, I mean, they are... It's, it's, it's generally, you know, you've got foul-mouthed children. It's like parents, like children. It, it kind of runs in the family. The parents couldn't care less at all, I wouldn't have thought. He says, I think slapping should be allowed because if I did what they did and said what they were saying, I would have got a wallet from my mum and dad. Yes, but the, the old argument used to be, you know, you can't discipline children now because we're such a mamby-pamby country. <clears throat> Whereas I think a good old slap That was the deterrent, wasn't it? The, you know, it, it wasn't the actual physical... Assault, which people say, oh, it's a physical assault. It's a, a, you know, it's a thrashing. Don't be so stupid. These people are perverts. It's not a thrashing at all. It's just, you know, you've got to discipline. Otherwise, how do they learn the difference between right and wrong? All you had to have when you were younger was that little phrase that your mother knew so well. Wait till your father gets home. And immediately, that was it. You had to rush up to the toilet. You know, you could no longer hold it in, ladies and gentlemen. It was one of those, one of those things you think, oh, God, I've now got so long to win my mother round before she uh, she tells my dad and I'm going to be in big trouble. And when your dad came up the stairs, you kind of sat on the bed thinking, he's going to hit me, he's going to hit me, he's going to hit me, he's going to hit me. Oh, he didn't hit me. Thank God for that. I won't do that again. Um, Sympathies, Mr. Steve, says Roger. I'm precisely at the same stage of the same fast, but warm water, uh, as huge as the, uh, the food craving... Except well, except the one for a bacon sandwich. Oh, i tell you what I had the other day, and I was, I was talking to a friend of mine. It was the most awful bacon roll I've ever had in McDonald's. It was... It, because the picture on the front makes it look like a crispy bacon roll fresh out of the oven. What you get is a soggy, sad, pathetic excuse for a bacon roll. And then, as Jamie Oliver was talking about a man in Portugal who, for 60 pence, can make himself a meal with some pasta, um, some oil and some mussels and over here you know we go oh no we can't do that so you get all the lardies sitting in the places like the Kentuckys you know with their bottom which hangs over both sides of the seat thinking they've got a bargain by buying a bargain barrel for 17 pounds which feeds all the kids and then you look at the fat that drips out of it and you think that's going into your stomach and uh, it's the sure way to feel bloated and so yesterday I look at the price of a a double sausage and egg McMuffin in McDonald's. And it's over three pounds. For three pounds, you could feed a family, you know, and, and do them some pasta and cut some bacon bits up in it, and you end up with a bacon and egg McMuffin. I mean, dear. But that's that's the laziness of the British public. You, nobody can be bothered to cook anything. A friend of mine goes to a garden centre where you can get so many items for breakfast. And you get nine items for six pounds or something so you can have sausage bacon fried bread again very bad for you but delicious at the time it's like that good old british fry up isn't it it's fantastic anyway so uh, Anne Whittaker, what's she talking about here she's talking about health and safety and um a recent poll suggests that people prefer to give their dogs and cats human names people like me who call their cats mitten pugwash and carruthers are in a minority you knew she was mad didn't you compared with those who choose Ruby, Daisy or Molly. She says, well, I'm sure it's all fascinating, but what exactly are feline and canine names uh, beyond Tiddles and Fido? Are not most names human? Indeed, how long will it be before we hear our neighbours calling in River, Summer, Autumn, Seven, or Heavenly Harani? Well, she's probably not wrong there. And um, why didn't the police do their jobs? This is two policemen who wouldn't go up on the roof because of elf and safety, honestly. Right, a bunch of mamby pambies we've got out there, haven't we, really, at the moment. It's not not so good, I'm afraid. Uh, other stories in the papers. Who the dickens is that? Oh, it's Lady Gaga. Every time I see Lady Gaga, I have to sort of kind of check who it is, because she seems to look different every time you see her in, in the papers. Oh, and the Dam busters have been pictured for the first time. This is the first time you have seen all the air crews who took part in the raid, 133 of them. And uh, to them, we owe... A great deal. Quarter past five. For some reason, I just don't see Tom Swarbrick dancing. I reckon he dances like your Norfolk grandfather. and Macarena. I just don't see it happening at all. I don't know why. <laughs> I'll be out of the building for he's here today. Um, I realised I'd reached middle age, says Malcolm, when I started looking for quieter pubs. Yes, you don't want to go in a noisy pub, do you? I'm not, uh, I'm not a noisy pub person. Oh, good news. Uh, before I go any further... The good news is, remember we were talking about the other day the uh, murder of Lieutenant Colonel David Parkinson, who was uh, attacked and hacked to death by a machete gang in Nanyuki in Kenya. They've arrested somebody, the police. Shouldn't be too difficult to find. They believe that uh, Sunday's attack could be linked to a raid two months ago on another former British Army officer living in the area. I mean, a dreadful... Dreadful way to, uh, to lose your life. Absolutely dreadful way. Didn't deserve that at all. And the BBC, once again, have refused... And I quite agree with them, actually. They've refused to reveal the pay of their top stars. Why should they? You wouldn't expect Global to start releasing figures of, you know, how much the presenters uh, earn on Global or on any of the, uh, the radio stations. It's, it's confidential. It's between, you know, your boss and you and your bank manager and then uh, other people, so in other words, everybody, actually, I've just realised. Uh, they, they've said, really, the uh, the Daily Express submitted a Freedom of Information request, but, uh, so they reckon the highest direct earner is thought to be Graham Norton, who was rumoured to be uh, paid each year £4.5 Match of the Day presenter, Gary Lineker, can't believe he's, they even waste money paying him, it's, it's really not very good, paid £2 million pounds a year. Jeremy Paxman... And John Humphrey is thought to earn about a million. Jeremy Clarkson is paid only about a million a year by the broadcaster for his Top Gear shows, but he's made more than 14 million, thanks largely to a controlling 30% stake in the company, Better Six, which owns the Top Gear brand. The BBC recently took full control of Better Six, meaning Clarkson was paid 8.4 million on top of a 4.86 million dividend payment. Blimey, for that pile of rubbish. can't believe it. Anyway, uh, Lord Hale pledged more openness after it emerged. The BBC showered £25 million on golden goodbyes to senior managers. See, I don't think you should really know what people earn on television. It's, it's, it's between them and, and the bank manager. It's not going to change your life, is it? What are you going to do? You're going to sort of start watching, you know, Graham Norton go, well, he's paid £4.5 million. Pounds. That's absolutely outrageous. Uh, Gary says, my two cats are called Alejandro and Faversham. Oh, tell me you're not. Tell me you've not called cats that, for goodness sake. Uh, you know you're getting old when filling out a form. You have to scroll further and further down to the list to find your date of birth, says Paul. From uh, That's quite a good one, actually. That's quite a good one. I like that idea. Yes, you go. And which age category did you fit in? You're going, where? It must be on another page. Then you find your age category. Dee says, you wouldn't eat a bowl of pasta with mussels. No, I wouldn't. No, I definitely wouldn't, actually, no. I don't. I'm not either big into pasta or mussels. I've eaten both. But I I wouldn't uh, out of choice go for it. And uh, if uh, Jamie Oliver wants to be honest, make food out of stuff ordinary people eat, not all this olive oil fishy meals with chopped rocket and coriander, he's got to be realistic. Yes, I agree. I was watching Made in Chelsea with the ghastly Spencer Matthews. What a horrible person he is. What a piece of slime, honestly. He's like an oil slick as he sort of oils over. and Then he goes to this girl's house. I just sort of come round to check you're all right. Thought, oh, you're vile. Anyway, it's a picture of him in one of the papers today. But he takes this girl out to this restaurant. And uh, to be honest with you, I mean, most of Chelsea seem to have the word easy stamped all over them. And so he gives her snails, which appear to be served on, I don't know, it could be toast or something. And then he speaks to the waiter in French. And so she goes... Oh, I didn't know you spoke French. And he said, Yeah, he said I, I learnt to speak French really before I learnt to speak English. But he's so unattractive. There's something the matter with him. What are these girls seeing him? I mean it's it's just a little bit desperate, I'm afraid. It's a little bit desperate. Um I do like that idea actually of filling out the formula to scroll further further down because it's just so true. So true. Mince beef and onion mash, turnip, broccoli, cabbage, carrots, mushy peas, and homemade Yorkshire pudding cost six quid and feeds six big dinners. Gorgeous says Debbie. In Cleveland, Uh, Graham says, you see that Mike Winters died. They only put that up on the television the other day. We did it two days ago. Two days ago, which was when he died. Uh, 84850. Uh, Another one here, which says that steaming, not boiling, is the only way you should cook veg. I've just started and uh, uh, just stated it's not good to steam broccoli. Boiling the veg destroys the vitamin. No, I only steam. I only steam vegetables. I steam. I've got a, a special steamer thing. And uh, it's very good, actually. It's very good. And I, d- I do like broccoli. I never used to eat broccoli. Lisa says, you're going have another go at cooking ribs again. I don't think so. No, I really don't think so. Uh, Connie says, what's happening to society? Where's the moral compass gone? The compassion, the willingness to help one another? How has society in the world managed to descend into the dark abyss of immorality? Disgusting that poor child in the eyes and then the sexualisation of children and then that person who's in prison for, for grooming a child at a nursery and they admit that they didn't see the warning signs, and you think, well, what hope? These people are supposed to be the professionals, you know. And there's hope out of all this, but I mean, it, it's it's you know, people say, oh, right, every time you read of a of a child who who commits an atrocious act against another one, well, lessons have been learned. Well, quite clearly not. Quite clearly, lessons haven't been learned at all. I'm afraid. Um, the uh, who's the woman who did um, Shades of Fifty Shades of Grey? Is that E. L. James? Do you know what she raked in last, last year? 61 million. I need to start writing steamy novels. He was just an early morning DJ. Rugged, handsome, Amazon... Oh, it doesn't even sound right, does it? I don't know where you begin with things like that. I mean, because you look at a picture of it, you think... So she's become the world's top-selling author. 61 million pounds. <gasps> Worth writing a steamy novel, ladies and gentlemen. Definitely worth writing a steamy novel if you can make that much money in the course of a year. But as we've said before, we don't uh, we don't worry about it. Uh, people dressed up as badgers, stopping the cull, but it's not working because the uh, the cull has started. They're going to shoot. I think. <coughs> excuse me. Fifteen thousand. Fifteen thousand will be cut. I don't know how many we've got, but fifteen thousand seems like like a heck of a lot to me. Uh, the Daily Mirror jamie 's blast is on the front page. The Brits are too lazy to work for me, and he 's not wrong he 's not wrong. You all seem to be in in, in agreement on that one it's, uh, and you all seem to be in agreement as well about the uh, the one direction perfume you see him as as, as, uh, as a shameless little bit of advertising to sort of yet put more money in the coffers here 's the uh, the stupid boys, the dozy thieves, two thieving uh, people they won 't be difficult to find. They nicked a phone uh, they distracted her at a restaurant in South End, but they're very, very easy to find, and in fact, they're so clear. These pictures—they had pictures taken on the iPhone, which sent it up to iCloud, and of course, she can access it on her computer. And so, we've got great pictures of them. They look like East European. One of them does on the right. The other one probably could be the same. I don't know. Uh, the snatch—the the restaurant was the, sorry—the restaurant was in South End, and all the photographs have now gone to the police. Unfortunately, because they've got distinctive haircuts and one wears glasses, very easy to find, very easy. And then we put you in prison, and then you stay there, and then we get rid of you afterwards, which is fantastic news. I love things like that. How many pairs of shoes have you got, ladies? What would be what would be considered a decent amount of a pair of shoes? You know, I probably got about twenty pairs. Twenty pairs of shoes, which I think is is quite probably a f- probably a few more if you include sort of trainers and stuff like that. And there's a woman here, Alison Palmer. Uh, because there is, there is a claim now that the average woman, this, this could be you listening at the moment, uh, has got 20 pairs of shoes, but you only wear half of them. Whereas we've spoken, as you know, on the programme to a podiatrist who has said that what you should do is you should change your shoes every day so that your feet don't get too comfy in one pair of shoes. So change the shoes every day. I know, it, I know it's not very, very much fun, but that's what you're supposed to do. Anyway, there's this woman, Alison Palmer, and she's got a footwear addiction. And she's only got... You see, I don't really see this as an, as an addiction. She's got 125 pairs of shoes, but she hasn't worn half of them yet. Whereas Imelda Marcos, I think, was famous for something like 600 pairs of shoes. But there again, she thieved from a country and robbed and, uh, and then spent it all on herself in America. I don't know why America gave her sanctuary. I really can't imagine. Her husband luckily died some years ago. But 125 pairs of shoes. And she says, I haven't even worn half of them. So in other words, people go out and they see something and they go, I mean, I bought Christmas lights yesterday. Not, you know, for, for no reason apart from the fact that I saw them and I liked them. And they're, they're unusual in the fact that they're two-way lights. They go from each bulb does blue, then white. Blue, then white, then white, then blue, blue, then white, white, blue, blue, white, blue, blue, white, blue, white, white, blue. And and I thought I saw them and I looked and I thought, Do I want them? I thought, it doesn't matter, it's Christmas. And the friend I was with said to me, he said, You're buying Christmas lights. He said, It's August. I said, Well it's not really I said, because if Christmas stuff is on sale, you've got to buy it, because otherwise, if I come back here next week and they've sold out... I mean, I bought some more mince pies yesterday with the whiskey because Duncan likes the mince pies with the whiskey and the cream, but I, I couldn't bring them in this morning, because that would be just too tempting to have these in front of me, whilst I'm not eating anything at all. So when I read about a woman with 125 pairs of shoes, I, I, I'm trying to think if I've got an addiction for anything that involves some of that, and it's not really. I don't have an addiction for anything at all. I buy DVDs. I buy Chardonnay. I buy... Uh, but 125 pairs of shoes. And then she, she freely admits she hasn't worn half of them. So uh, she goes out and she said, I, I see a pair of shoes. She said, I get physically excited by seeing a pair of shoes, which, of course, you would. Uh, 84850. Oh. Philip says, you know that you're getting middle age when you're offered a seat by a lady. He yes, said, would you like to sit down, Dave? no, I'm fine. I'm fine, thank you. Although I've, I, have, I have started sitting down more. I have started sitting down more. I tell you what I, d- I do like and I wish they put more of in Covent Garden benches, because I reckon you can sit down and have a really nice time on a bench and a-, and a good chat to somebody. My friend Brenda in Twickenham, she could sit on a bench and have a good chat to people. It's five thirty.
0: LBC ninety seven point three. Text eight four eight five O. Tweet at LBC nine seven three. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen.
1: Nick Ferrari and the team at 7 o'clock this morning as David Cameron prepares to chair a national security meeting on Syria. Nick will be asking what exactly he has to do to convince us to intervene. Plus, 50 years after Martin Luther King gave the I Have a Dream speech, Nick will be asking, has the dream been realised? And why do so many Londoners want to send their kids to private school? You can join Nick and the team at 7 o'clock this morning on LBC 97.3. A uh, picture of the paper today. Of, uh, of, again, she obviously went to the beach with a photographer. This is the sexy senorita, who's wowed Paul Hollywood, donning a bikini and showing off her perfect buns, as they say. It's a play on words, I suppose. This is uh, Marcella somebody, who's 35, he's 190, and so old man and young girl cavort around on beach, and here she is going running. I do not know if people sat on the beaches in America. When I went over there with the, my last producer, she she, was, she would walk down to the beach every day, to the water. We were on the beach, she'd walk all the way down to the water. It was quite funny, really, actually. I used to sit there eating my breakfast thinking, sucker, who wants to walk all the way down to the water? But uh, not me. Not me, I have to tell you. Uh, more on uh, Miley Cyrus. More on um, middle age. Luckily, not before you're 53. And the uh, paedophile nursery worker who was able to commit child rape... After authorities ignored repeated warnings about him. Uh yesterday social workers were told he was taking kids into the uh into the adult toilets and placing them on his lap. And they say the warnings about him were totally ignored. Totally ignored. And again here, I mean a judge called him chilling and depraved. He's in prison as you now know. If you don't reach middle age till you're fifty three, Steve, does that mean I'm still middle aged at sixty-two? Ian, uh, I don't know. He says, "So I cancel my bingo night and cancel my allotment application and stop being grumpy and get up later and buy a sports car." Oh, he says, "I'm so happy." I know. I mean, I see. I don't know if if you're middle aged at sixty two. I mean, it can't be middle aged at sixty two, can it? I thought middle age would have been forty two because that means middle age. Middle. The clue is in the word middle. So, in other words, you're going to live to eighty four. I mean, who, who's going to live longer than eighty four? Apart from just a few a few people. I'm not sure. Actually, I've spoken to somebody the other day and uh, he didn't want to live too long. I don't know why. Uh, Security very lax at Man City's dressing room. Somebody got in there and uh, wearing a borrowed tracksuit and slippers took photographs and everything. Obviously no security there at all. And this uh, dad of two... Uh, says here, he says, I couldn't believe nobody stopped me. Cardiff declined to comment the other night. <laughs> I bet they bloomin' did. I bet they bloomin' embarrassing. Somebody's wandered into the dressing room, could have picked up anything, all the the team kit, and walked out with it again. Uh, the top army officer, who's been drafted in, makes the papers today to oversee the badger shooting. This is a lieutenant colonel, as yet unnamed, who's believed to have served in Afghanistan. And he's been seconded to the Department of Environment, Food and Rural Affairs. So he's going to take personally part in the, uh, in the culling of the badgers. What they do with them afterwards, I've got no idea whether they get made into brushes. Uh, he reckons 5,000 badgers will be culled. 5,000 badgers will be culled. Which, you know, obviously isn't pleasant news for people who are animal lovers. And I don't know whether or not they have to check to see whether they're carrying anything. Or whether they just, uh, they just risk it. I don't know. Uh, 84850, hope there are no short-sighted marksmen in the badger cull, says Philip. They might shoot the people dressed up as badgers. Well, they're, they're sort of dressed up as badgers, but it's <laughs> like a bit of bit of war paint, I think. A little bit of war paint. Uh, 84850, steve at LBC.co.uk. Uh Ian says, uh, suggest you uh, check the use-by date on your mince pies. Many shops selling through last year's stock. No, 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 this is uh, the, uh, the sell-by date is uh, February... 2014, which is fantastic, and uh, also I bought mince pies, yes, uh, sorry, but not mince pies I bought the mince pies which are 20, 2014 next year, and I bought two Christmas puddings, you'd be so proud of me because the sell-by date on those is January 2015 2015 but the Walker's min- mince pies are always, you get a you get a, a good, good run at them, a good few months, because if you buy mince pies in Marks & Spencer's, we had this argument last year and probably the other places, it turns out the sell-by date on them was before Christmas which sort of defeated the object. So that's why with the Walker's Mince Pies, if they've got booze in... Because remember we had this issue last year. The issue was that we bought lots of Mince Pies and we were trying them out and doing like a taste test on the programme. And the Marks and Spencer's ones, which were very misleading, they said with lashings of brandy and, and mulled wine. And it turned out there was no such thing. It was a lie, a blatant lie. There were no lashings. A lashing, to me, implies something steeped in booze so that when you open the packaging, you can smell the booze, and these were nothing like it. And the sell-by date indicated to me there was such a feeble amount of booze in there. I think it was something like 2% or 3%. We'll let you know this year, because they're bound to bring them out again, and we always take them to task, because it's misleading. You know, if you write on the front of a box, mince pies with lashings of brandy, you expect these things to be dripping in brandy, and if they're not, I think you're being cheated. But with the Walker's mince pies, they have got Glenfiddich whiskey, which is 12 years old, and that's why they've got the long sell-by. And the, and the Christmas pudding... In fact, the longer you keep a Christmas pudding, the better it is. My mother used to make two. We'd have one for that year, and then the other one would be put away. And then next year, she'd make another one, and then we'd eat the one from the year before. Because the, the, the longer it, it went on, the better it got, especially if you'd done it properly and you'd steep the fruit in the booze. Oh, even thinking about Christmas pudding makes me hungry now. Absolutely delightful. Love it with double cream or something like that. What else works well with booze? Just about anything, I think. But, uh, the, but, but the more you sort of preserve things. But it was these Marks and Spencers in particular, Mince pies, which said lashings of brandy. And it wasn't lashings at all. It was, it was feeble. That's why the sell date wasn't very good. But a Christmas pudding. I didn't even check what was in it. But I think I bought them last year and I think they were very nice. Because normally speaking, but I'm sorry to talk Christmas so early to you, but uh, you realise that uh, I'm besotted with the with the time of the year, I know we're supposed to see it as a religious festival. Sadly, I just see it for presents, giving each other one, and uh, and having turkey. Except you next door, you don't get because you you, you had a mince pie the other day. I mean, how, you know how big a present do you want for goodness sake? Did you have a mince pie? Oh, you didn't have it. Well, they get was on offer. It's your own fault, isn't it? You didn't take it. I can't be expected to come round and there is no present. The present was the mince pie. The present was the mince pie and the cream. It was. It so was. And that's why... No, there won't be a better present, I promise you. That'll be the best you're going to get this year. Sorry? Candy cane? No, not, I'm not going to waste money on candy canes. You see how much they are? A pound for five? No, not, no orange, no satsumas, no nothing. There's no point. There's no point in sort of spoiling you, I'm afraid. But, uh, but you must check the dates on the on the food that you're buying now, just to make sure that you're actually getting something that is in, you know, within its sell-by date. Uh, I don't know what happened to Miley Cyrus's dad... No idea. And uh, where can you still buy Brandy Snap Biscuits? Oh, just about anywhere. Just about anywhere. 84850, co dot uk. You know you're getting old when they make a new version of, version of Prisoner Cell Block H. Yes, I mean, I only liked it first time around. It was a dreadful programme. Used to bring me roses. Dreadful. I mean, it was it was a ghastly program. It was the only thing. I had to just sit there. And you could literally a bit like Crossroads in this country. You could actually watch the set move, and it was set in a in a women's prison. It might have been called Lark Hall. And if you ask me how I know that, I've got no idea, but it, it just sort of just popped into my mind. I'm afraid there's a, a boyfriend here who popped the question uh, by writing his marriage proposal on top of the couple's favorite takeaway pizza. It's so romantic, isn't it? Oh God. Spare me from these barking mad people. Dale Connolly got down on one knee uh, after, uh, so, so for Catherine Scott, who's his girlfriend, and so he had a, a pizza delivered to the end of Southend Pier, which he'd hired for the occasion. It was a. This is their favourite pizza top. over this one, this is goat's cheese, goat's cheese, mozzarella, onion, and spinach. Sounds disgusting, but the message on it said. Um, High tide, low tide, I'll be by your side. Time to start our happily ever after. Isn't that romantic? With a pizza, you cheapskate. I've never really been so so terrible in my life. Anyway, um, he, uh, he has, has believed. We were just excited as we waited for, for her reaction. Of course, she said yes, which is lovely. Uh, she comes from Colchester, and she had her first holiday with a partner of five years, Dale, in South End. And that lovely. I remember what a lovely couple they are. So there they are, they're together and you know, she's a teacher. And their first holiday together is in South End and they get a pizza and written in the top was, you know, oh, that's so I'm gonna be sick. <laughs> Sounds quite ghastly. But they've had the pizza delivered to the end uh, of the pier. It's not the end of the road, isn't it, really, I'm afraid. You have to laugh at these things. Uh, young Neil is back in the real world. He said it was a great result for our beloved Arsenal last night. Arsenal, no? Doesn't ring a bell. Are they do, do they do something? What do they play? Tennis. Are they tennis players? I think. Apparently football. And he says, uh, wasn't it Steve with lashings of goals? <laughs> well worth the late night. It's good to be back and enjoying the show. I'd have felt worse if you'd said good to be back, not enjoying the show this morning. Because um, as I say, I'm I'm struggling a little bit. I'm a little bit vacant, a little bit air headed. I'm afraid this morning, only because we're we're fasting before we go and have the blood taken. I can't wait to eat something. I'm so hungry. Anyway, uh, the weather forecast for today, in case you're panicking over it, and yesterday was turned out to be quite hotty. I was tweeting the temperature. I couldn't believe it. It was it was really good. And uh, today, a grey start. Yep, it's a grey start out there. And it'll be sunny spells by mid-morning, dry and warm today, not as hot as yesterday. Strange enough, they've dropped the temperature back. They're saying at the moment it's 14 degrees, it'll climb to 22. Tonight, some early evening sunshine, then the low cloud, the mist and a few fog patches returning to most parts by the morning. Light winds, minimum 16 centigrade. Tomorrow, dry and mostly sunny after the early low cloud and mist or fog has cleared, although further cloud is likely. Uh, the maximum, 24 degrees. And Friday, Saturday, Sunday, cloudy at first on Friday, clearing, mostly dry with some sunshine, a fine dry weekend with sunny spells and average temperatures, but the morning's on the chilly side. Brough. That's what it's like at the moment in here. It's a bit on the chilly side. And uh, But it was, yes, it was gorgeous. I mean, it really was, I, mean I'm, I don't do hot weather, as you know. I just sort of I try and stay well away from it. But I, it was, it was, it was quite, quite pretty yesterday, quite pretty. Uh, anyway, they've decided uh, in the X Factor, because they're, they're, they're trying to drum up any interest in the X Factor they can, whereas, you know, it's going to be the same format as last year, and the year before, and the year before, and the year before, and the year before, where they put all the silly people on. There'll be a couple of decent ones, but mainly it'll be the silly people who are a bit stupid and remedial, and they put them on and, and people laugh at them which is a bit sad because they end up being very deluded. And so the bosses are now calling time on boozy nights for the show's finalists. Well, I'm assuming they must have most of the series in the can because they've been filming it for ages and ages. So what you're going to be seeing is the results of painstaking editing and music. And what are you here for? Have my gran. OK, and um, what, what's your story? Uh, gran was run over by a cement mixer and, um, and it was her dream to always see me, you know, on The X Factor. Great. And what are you going to sing?
0: (laughs) You can make up your own jokes after that one. okay? Uh, It's quarter to six. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen.
1: Morning. Uh, Paul in Manchester says for anybody who has free sat, you may have to do a rescan of the channels to pick up LBC and up it should pop. The system works via postcode, and if you get bored with your local TV station, and should you wish to see what people are watching, say, in Scotland, you pop in Scotland, a Scottish postcode, and up comes STV and local BBC programming through the keyhole. Oh, sorry, through the keyhole. It uh, does see Lee Francis in his Keith Lemon persona, apparently finding... Oh, it's not Kerry Katona again. The world's biggest bore, I'm afraid. So you can see it's not going to be up to... It's, it's going to be after the watershed... Because he's going to find toys in Kerry Katona's drawers. Oh dear! It's a shame, really. So poor old Keith Lemon will not be doing Lee Francis. So he's he's carrying this peculiar character on, which of course, out the door. Well, there you go. Imagine we've seen out the door at Loose Women as Carol McGiffin has, has wandered off to go and do for reasons best known to herself uh, the uh, the Big Brother program. I can't still quite work out. I was going to send her a text message the other day, and I, and I, I sort of thought to myself, that'll be a bit pointless, she's not allowed a phone in the Big Brother house. <laughs> Mark says, you know you're getting old when you're the uh, the same age as the new cast member of New Tricks. Uh, the BBC uh, paid by us for repeats. ad infinitum. I want to know why they have no money for new work. I shall have a go at today at making a boozy Christmas pudding. Delicious. Uh, Rob says, forecast temperatures are very misleading as they're taken in the shade, not out in the open where people will be. Mitch says, I understand the filling of the mince pies lasting forever because of the whiskey, but uh, why doesn't the pastry dry out? Why don't you ask James O'Brien that when he does his mystery hour? Why is it you can get a sell-by date of, uh, you know, next next February on the mince pies and the pastry doesn't dry out? Well, I'm assuming it's because... the Well, I don't know. <laughs> I was I was going to say it's because the fruit filling has got the the whiskey in it, and that's soaked into the pastry. Um, that's what I'm saying. I don't I don't know what's right. And perhaps it's because it's sealed in plastic as well. I suppose if you take them out of the plastic, they're going to harden up. I'm assuming. I don't know. Uh, other one here. Uh, if I had a nice soak in a bath of whiskey, would that improve my use-by date, or would I just be pickled, says Pete? You'd just be pickled Pete, I'm afraid. Pickled Pete, that's all it would be. It's lovely, though, isn't it? It's, I love the idea of boozy. I'm not sure if they're as boozy as they used to be, but they're, cert- they're certainly quite, uh, quite nice mince pies. Well, Duncan liked them. Duncan liked them an awful lot. Uh, tens of thousands of patients are dying needlessly in hospital every year from kidney failure linked to dehydration. So says NHS officials, they calculate that up to 42,000 deaths a year would be avoided if staff insured patients had enough to drink and carried out simple tests. This is this story of this woman again dying in hospital and they didn't give her an oral sponge. And consequently, the family had to bring in ice lollies. I mean, it's just a ridiculous scenario. Ridiculous scenario. So that's on the front of the Daily Mail today. Also, from sweet to sordid, the corruption... Of, uh, of a Disney starlet. This must be Miley Cyrus, who is uh, who's now, you know, purporting herself around as some sort of tramp. I don't know what earth she's thinking of. I really don't know what she's thinking of. But it gets to the coverage in the papers, and the coverage in the papers is all these people need. Jamie Oliver gets all the coverage, and everybody agrees that uh, the migrant workers are tougher than the British, because the British say, I'm not working for that price. Work how many hours? I don't think so. Whereas, in fact... You know, in in, uh, in Twickenham, we've got a Morrison's that opens at six in the morning. Six, so the workers have presumably got to get up. You know, they're going to do themselves up. They've got to get up at about five o'clock because nobody lives locally. They all come from outside of the area. And how stressed do you feel? Stress is a big thing nowadays. You get people talking about how stressed they've actually become at work, how stressed they become driving uh, in London because it's stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. And, and I'm still seeing every day, and I've started shouting now at them, cyclists jumping red lights I'm waiting for the first prosecution of £50. Pounds. I'm waiting for the police to appear from Charing Cross Police Station down here outside the Garrick Theatre to nick them and go 50 quid fine. Because if you jump red lights... And I saw a thing the other day. How, how long before uh, Twickenham council lorries get, uh, get done for doing illegal right turns? And yesterday we saw one complete the wrong way down a one-way street. These are council lorries. It's absolutely unbelievable. Anyway, I've got a story about a garage friend of mine goes, every week he goes in, he, 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 he has a van and he goes into a garage and it's Tesco's at Sunbury. They've got the, the Tesco, no it's not, it's Tesco, not at Sunbury. It's over by the rugby ground, I do beg your pardon, it's over by the rugby ground. And he pulls in and he puts in between 40 and 50 quid's worth of petrol. And he does this religiously every week. He's done it for ages and ages and ages. So he does it the other day. He pulls in, takes the pump out, puts the petrol in the car puts the thing in goes in and the woman goes it's 123 pounds and he goes no it's f- i'll just put 40 pounds in and so she says it's 123 pounds and she starts being a bit aggressive and so he said no i'm i'm pump over there pump 16 or whatever it was 40 pounds she said it's a 100 don't want to call the manager so he said, well, you can call the manager if you like, but it's £40. That's what I put in. I do it every week. You can check it. In fact, check it now on the CCTV, and you'll see i put £40 worth in. It turns out, and she, this woman is quite aggressive, he said, to be honest with you, he said, she embarrassed me in front of all these other people who were standing there waiting to pay for petrol. The last person had gone in and driven off. But, of course, because she wasn't observant, she just sits there and just, you know, I'm the faintest idea. And, um... In the end, he just, I think he just gave her the money. And he said, what What should I do? And I said, you write to the manager of Tesco's and you say, this is the way I was treated the other day because you're a big company. You know, this is defamation of character. You've accused me of stealing petrol, which I do not. I might, he said, it might be many things, but he said, I don't steal petrol. It's as simple as that. And I know you get people that pull in and drive off. And what she hadn't done is zero the pump. You know, she must have realised at some point, but whether it happened quite quickly, I've got no idea. All I know is that nobody ever deserves to be spoken to like that in a filling station. Whether, whether it's somebody sitting by the counter threatening to call the manager or whatever, call the police. I'd have said, call the police. Call the police now, darling. And when I get the public apology from you, we're going to pin you up to dry. Because that's just appalling service. It's not what you expect from people sitting in a garage. I mean, let's face it, at one time, you actually pulled into the garage and somebody used to come out and put the petrol in for you. Now you have to do it for yourself. And he was, he was a bit miffed by it, because he, he just felt a bit cheated that she'd actually accu- I said, did you point out that it's a van and you couldn't get £126 worth of petrol in it? Perhaps she wasn't intelligent enough. Perhaps that's why she was sitting there just pushing buttons and taking money. But very rude, offensive person. Very rude and offensive. So I said, you write to the, to the manager, which is you know, what you should always do in cases like that. If you don't have any joy, you write to the boss of the company. Because you'll always get a reply from the boss, because he will then come down on the local manager saying, this person's written to me, why did you not deal with this? And that's when the managers get it in the neck. So it's, it's worth doing. Always worthwhile complaining. And if you don't get any response, you know, at grass, grassroots level, go to the top, right to the top, find out who the managing director is, where he's based, you send a recorded delivery letter, and I guarantee you'll get a response. Guarantee. They don't like publicity like that. They really don't. Glenn and Collier-Rowe says, I've downloaded the LBC app on my Android phone. I love it. Well, actually, all those people have been complaining about, you know, very difficult to listen to LBC, you know, around the country. Now, you can do it on Freesat. You can do it on Freesat. We're on Freesat now. So you can uh, pick it up on your television through Sky, Virgin Media, and now Freesat. Anywhere, anytime. Or you can do online at lbc.co.uk because the uh, the apps are new and improved, OK? Always refresh, though. And that'll make sure you get it. So, Glenn and Colly Road, fantastic. Well done. Well done. If anybody knows the answer to how do mince pies last for a long, long time. I've seen mince pies before, though, that have survived for Christmases and Christmases. But these ones, I was always told it was the booze that was in there that actually made it live, live, made it last a little bit longer. The very idea it could be living. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, The former Liverpool headquarters of the White Star Line, says John, who's the Titanic rivet counter, is going to become the Titanic-themed hotel. If planning gets to go ahead, work will commence at the end of the year. He says, pity we can't also have a colour of Sky Rats. Pigeons. Yes, the only good pigeon, under the wheels of your car, ladies and gentlemen. But it never happens, does it? You see, very very few pigeons, actually, because they just sort of hop to one side. So, uh, that's quite nice. The Liverpool headquarters of the White Star Line becoming a Titanic-themed hotel. John will be up there and he will keep us in touch with uh, exactly how that is going. Uh, how it says, can you warn us if Cliff Richard brings out his yearly Christmas record? He's, well, in fact, last year I think it was the only year in ages that Cliff didn't didn't top the charts. I can't remember why it was actually. There was some reason why that uh, why that didn't happen. That uh, at the age of seventy plus, he's still turning out his calendar and still turning out records and still rents out his place to the prime minister in Portugal, where Cliff grows his own grapes and produces his own wine. It is, to all intents and purposes, absolutely ghastly because they made him do a tasting on television once and he hated it. They said, that's yours. That's your wine. But he's also, I think, got perfume, isn't it? Um, Midnight something. He's he's got all sorts of stuff. And One Direction have now got their perfume. I have a little sample of the One Direction perfume. Smells a bit like catnip. It's, uh, you know, it's, if you like that kind of thing. Who it appeals to, I've got no idea, because there's no girls in the group to sell it to, so it's the boys pretending that they've invented this perfume and the girls are going to be buying it. I don't think fans are that, that stupid nowadays. They're going to see this as a shameless bit of publicity to flog a bit of tatty perfume, like all the other celebrities who've got perfume, so One Direction have jumped on the bandwagon. A little bit too soon, as far as I'm concerned. News at Six is next.
0: On FM, online and digital radio, this is the UK's Station of the Year, LBC 97.3. It's six o'clock. Good morning, I'm Eleanor Nakes. David Cameron says no decisions have been taken ahead of a National Security Council meeting about Syria. It will discuss possible British military involvement following last week's alleged chemical weapons attack.
1: Let me stress to people, this is not about... ...getting involved in a Middle Eastern war... ...or changing our stance in Syria... ...or going further into that conflict. It's nothing to do with it.
0: LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen.
1: Morning, five past six. It's Wednesday morning in London town. This is where the mind starts wandering a little bit... So, so I'm sort of gradually getting into that sort of, that sort of state. This is blood test day today, you see. And so anybody who has blood tests will tell you when you have to do this fasting and you have to sort of come off the alcohol and do all these sort of usual things. And it kind of, throw, it kind of upsets the balance a little bit. Uh, we'll do the front pages in one second. There's a very interesting story in The Independent today of a woman who claims to have been auditioned to be Tom Cruise's wife. Um, this is a Norwegian woman And she's claimed she was one of several women auditioned as a potential wife for the actor and Scientologist stalwart Tom Cruise before his marriage to Katie Holmes. In an article published simultaneously in the Australian magazine Women's Day in the Underground Bunker, a blog about Scientology by the journalist Tony Ortega, Annette Irene Johansson... Claimed the auditions took place in Copenhagen in 2005. She describes herself on her Twitter page as an entrepreneur, a scientist, a chemist, a musician, trumpet, cornet and flugelhorn player, dancer, Scientology whistleblower, animal lover and geek from the wonderful Norway. Which seems to be everything, actually, doesn't she, really? <laughs> seems to be everything. And uh, she describes the terrible abuses committed within the church. She grew up in Norway studied as a veterinarian in Copenhagen when she joined the Church of Scientology in 2002. She appeared in a handful of Scientology magazines and training films and in January 2005 claimed she was invited to audition for another project. This time, however, there was no script. Instead, she said, they asked me so many questions about my life, my family background, everything I'd ever done in Scientology, a lot of talk about Tom Cruise at that time. He'd just been in Norway hosting the Nobel Peace Prize concert. Afterwards, she was ordered to sign a waiver promising not to reveal any details of the audition. Sometime later, she received a phone call from a man at Golden Era Productions in California who asked her a string of private questions, including whether she'd had any sexual perversions. The article alleges that Miss Johansson was one of a number of women considered for the role of Cruz's wife. And uh, and so it gets, it's, a, it's a fascinating story. It really is. Uh, Karen Poo, a spokesman for the church, told The Independent, we stand by the statement we issued last year. There was no project, secret or otherwise, ever conducted by the church to find a bride via audition or otherwise for any member. Because Tom, Cru- because Tom Cruise is a Scientologist, and he's very friendly with a man who runs... Scientology, and they go away for bonding sessions, don't they? Which is sort of, it's, it's a rather strange thing, but you get you get a lot of celebrities and they like to align themselves to a church because, as I've said to you before, one of them's got to be right and come the day of judgement, you want to make sure you're on the right side. You don't want to kind of miss out when you get to the pearly gates. And so that's why there's always been sort of talk about, you know, Tom and I think this is wife number, what do we on to, wife number th- three now, four? I've lost track of it. And, uh, and you think, although there was a picture of him with his son the other day. It's amazing actually I mean, Tom Cruise still looks amazingly young now, whether or not that's his involvement with Scientology I've got no idea. But this woman's making these allegations. I mean it, you do tend to find anybody who starts trying to investigate Scientology and they've got a huge temple down at Blackfriars it's an enormous bit. There's coaches all outside there and everything else. I know because I did a show there one Christmas and they were over the road I think I pulled a bigger crowd, though. I think I was much more popular. And, uh, and people say it's sinister. They used to have this uh, place off Tottenham Court Road. It might still be there, actually, as far as I know, where they offer you sort of personality tests and all this kind of thing. It's, it's just that they aren't as open as they should be. They should always be a little bit open. People who've done programmes on them before have been followed and all that kind of stuff. It makes them sound very sinister. But it's certainly a very interesting story. Whether or not there's, <laughs> there's any credibility with it, who knows? Uh, 84850... Steve at lbc.co.uk. And um, another one here. I, I do love the story today about the broccoli. I'm really absolutely going to be going out and eating loads and loads of broccoli because it's very, very good for you. And they say it can stop the onset of arthritis. And I don't know how much of this stuff you've got to eat. might have to eat an entire field full of it. Um, because in the greengrocers yesterday, some, some lady came in and was buying broccoli and said, oh, I'll have a head of broccoli. Because all the broccoli I tend to buy is small. Whether or not I'm buying the miniature stuff, I don't know. When I'm buying in the supermarket, I buy the... Sm- it, it looks small because it goes in with the carrots and the courgettes and other things like that. If you buy it in a greengrocer, it's huge. And I'm assuming steaming it is the, is the best way, is the best way. So let's do you the front pages of the papers this morning so you know what you're waking up to. So you know that when we talk about Jamie Oliver and somebody later on says to you, so what did you think about Jamie Oliver? You can then say, well, I agree with him. Jamie Oliver, who's got a new TV show coming out and he's never one to not court publicity, has now said that migrant workers are tougher than British. And if all his restaurants got rid of the migrant workers, his restaurants would close. Because he can't find British workers. They don't want to work. They're not remotely interested in doing 48-hour weeks for the money that is on offer. And he said they're they're just not as hardy as people who come from abroad. And that's why, presumably, all the coffee shops in London are full of Polish... Uh, wherever else, lots of East European people working in the shops because for them it's a great job. And what they do in Starbucks, I think, part of their system is that they move the staff around. So you do a year there or 18 months and then to save familiarity you then get moved on to somewhere else. And we've had some really good managers at our local Starbucks. And don't get me going on the tax thing because it just drives me insane. But irrespective of that, you look at the staff there, you just get used to and then move them on. They've had British people in there before. And they're not much good. It's either that they don't have this work ethic that Jamie Oliver is talking about. They, they don't seem to have the enthusiasm. They really don't have the enthusiasm. It's a case of, yes, whereas, the, uh, whereas the, the Polish girls in there are always very chatty, very enthusiastic. I think there must be a company policy. I've never managed to actually find out whether it's true or not. They're not allowed to speak in their own language in the shop. They only ever speak English which you'd think you'd better talk about a customer going, this one's a bit of a pain, you know, as I turn up yet again. So Jamie Oliver is saying that the, uh, the migrant workers are tougher than the British, and he's probably right, because the British don't see it as a, as a proper job. Yeah, other people do. Uh, one here <coughs> says, listening to you talk about British people not getting up early to do jobs, I work for a pet company. I started at five... Uh, to run the delivery of stock. I'm 24 years old, female. Work all sorts of different hours, and I've done so since I was 16. You see, but there, but there are people like that. I mean, he doesn't quite understand why the British don't want to work, and it's because it's benefit culture. Do you imagine going to Poland, going, and the benefits are, and they go, there are no benefits. What do you mean? What do you mean benefits? You work. Well, um, well, how much does it pay you? It pays this. Well, I can't, I can't survive on that. Well, everybody else manages to. All the girls there, they manage to get themselves in on time. And uh, and they work, and they're cheerful at it. They're fairly lengthy shifts. Fairly lengthy. Kevin the Miltman says, On the subject of middle age, the Shoreditch and Hoxton part of my round I've been doing since 1983, and I still feel like the 19-year-old I was back then. Trouble is, the area is now home to the young and the trendies, so when the area starts waking up and getting out and about, I look around and realise middle age has well and truly arrived. It won't be long before I need a stairlift to get into the float. Poor soul. Honestly, it is true, though, isn't it? It is true. It's that's that, that middle age thing which they're talking about today. Thirty-two is is middle age. I don't know. I mean, I I don't. People say you know you don't you don't act your age, which I quite like the idea of not acting your age because I don't know what you're supposed to act like for your age. Uh, the prime minister, why I believe we have to bomb Syria. The recent poll says uh, the majority of people in this country say no. We don't want to bomb Syria, thank you very much indeed. He seems to be hell-bent on something. Nick Ferrari will talk about that later on this morning. Uh, the Brits say no to the war in Syria. And uh, I think this is a, it's a YouGov exclusive uh, poll. Uh, plus the, uh, the football star's union boss, Gordon Taylor, chased for £100,000 worth of gambling debts whilst warning players of the perils of betting. Because so many of these players gamble. And the reason they gamble, it's fairly simple, is because they're earning a small fortune. When you're earning that much money and you don't play every single day and they get nice long breaks. And then if, if you do sort of, you know, just somebody, so they can do online gambling, they can do all sorts of gambling. I luckily have never got into it, apart from years ago on fruit machines, but nowadays not bothered. So that's why it's a bit sad that he's talking about his sort of bet debts. Well, they're talking about his bet debts, £100,000. And it's easy to get yourself into that situation. Takes the heat off the drug mules, doesn't it? I suppose over in Peru at the moment. 14 minutes past. We'll come back to um, Linda Bellingham battling cancer and also the British Special Forces last night hunting Syrian missiles in readiness for Allied strikes, which they say could start as early as tomorrow night. Oh, dear. Uh, More on that in a moment. The time now, quarter past
0: six. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen.
1: Morning, 18 minutes past six. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. So uh, Jamie Oliver has got all the papers today. He'll be very delighted with this. It's good publicity for his new programme. The Brits are too lazy to work for me. I think it's a case of he just can't get them to work. People don't want to work for some strange reason. In front of the Daily Mirror, that's the headline. And also, uh, Linda Bellingham, the cancer battle that made me closer to my husband. She's now gone grey, but the trouble is, because Linda's got such a young face, it looks slightly peculiar, actually. <laughs> a very young face with grey hair, but I've seen that before on people. In fact, uh, Peter Purvis the Blue Peter, I think, went, went grey. Did he go naturally grey or did he die? Because some people, to make themselves look older, dye their hair grey. And, um, and it makes them look older, but they've got very young faces. And Linda Bellingham's got a very young face. So she's lovely. We like her. We like her a lot. Uh, the lions in wait for the tourists. But the main story and a lot of the papers is the crisis in the Middle East. Tony Blair is hello where hello. It's like an echo, isn't it? We're ready to go. Cameron preparing to launch attacks on Syria from tomorrow. He vows not to stand idly by over chemical weapons, irrespective of the fact that the uh, the country is evenly divided over whether we should intervene in Syria. The, the split is 35 to 35 for and against a military action, according to a, a ComRES ITV News survey. There's a YouGov survey which says, overwhelmingly, people do not want us to go to war. And they've asked everybody, opposition to Britain's military involvement was highest among the elderly, 62% of the over 65s opposing the use of ground troops, even if Assad did use chemical weapons that has been predicted petrol prices will go up and it's, it could be a major disaster. Russia have said that they're not going to get involved. Well, they've said they're not going to get involved because they don't believe that chemical weapons were used. And uh, Putin has already had this this conversation, as was reported yesterday on LBC seven point three. More of your uh, texts and emails, and we go back to some more of the, uh, the front pages. On the subject of uh, petrol, read your story about the rude Tesco petrol station attendant, absolutely agree, the gentleman should complain, always worth complaining, but surely the pump must have been reset to zero. For him to know, he'd filled 240 pounds worth. Yes, I didn't... What had happened was, I think she'd pushed the wrong button on it. So, in other words, the pump had done so much, and then you can't go any further on some pump. So, somebody put in 126, which might be the maximum on that pump, because I had that before, and then what they have to do is reset it. So, I think it had been reset... She obviously thought somebody was going to carry on. This person drove off, he comes along, it's zero, puts in his £40 worth, goes in there, and she then goes, it's this much money. I mean, either way, you know, you've only, you, you, you can check it on the on the CCTV. It's something easily checkable. And, uh, you know, and, and, and really, I suppose, it could be the employee trying to cover their backs because somebody's driven off. But why should you pay for somebody else's petrol? I wouldn't pay for it. I'd have said to her if she said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to call the manager. Call the manager. I'll tell you what, I'll call the police at the same time. Let's sort this out because this is just ridiculous. I wouldn't have been talked to like that by anybody going in there. Yeah, I wouldn't mind, but I don't think you'd even get 126 pounds worth of petrol in poor soul. Uh, front of the uh, front of the Daily Star today, war with Syria by the weekend. They're all saying this, aren't they? They're all saying it. Whether or not it happens, we'll find out later on today. One Direction on the brink of launching their own TV show packed with pranks because they're known as being pranksters, aren't they? One Direction, not. It's it's another bit of shameless publicity. God, it'll probably die the same way the film might die as well. I'm afraid. Mario Falconi at the centre of a Celebrity Big Brother slap after whacking model Sophie Adderton, as was suggested earlier on. What he should have done because she's so she's so disgusting. I've never heard language like it from a woman. But there again, we all know what Sophie Addison's little track record is. Certainly not much better than Heather Mills. But uh, what you have to do when you actually whack her, you have to go. Oh, mosquito. But you have to shout it at the same time. That came from a cab driver who thought that seemed to be the most brilliant idea. Uh, Daily Express today, Diana's death, the SAS in chaos over the murder claims. The SAS are not in chaos over the murder claims. Broccoli preventing arthritis. They love a good medical story, don't they, at the Express? They either like that or a weather or a Diana. You can almost uh, almost guarantee what they're going to be doing. Uh, the Funny Old World is the feature in a lot of the papers today about what you can do when you go abroad and what you can't do. And feeding pigeons in Venice is going to get you into a lot of trouble. Over here, of course, we just put it down to the fact that people are barking mad, I'm afraid. And uh, and Michael Gambon was, uh, has revealed he was twice rushed to hospital after forgetting his lines and collapsing with stage fright. The veteran actor, who's 72, said he suffered overwhelming fear and recalled, I was completely out, I was gone, I was on a drip, everything. They found nothing wrong with him. He believes his memory condition was linked to the memory and performance nerves, because people do get nerves, don't they? They go on stage, they always say that those people who haven't got any nerves at all are not going to give the best performance. You need some element of nerves. You get them at the beginning, and then you can relax into it. I always get nervous doing things like that. But the adrenaline, the adrenaline kind of carries you through. Uh, The mincemeat in the mince pie, says Bob, is a preserve, in the pastry... Uh, as with any supermarket type, is long life. So that's why. That's why they last a long time, these mince pies. Um, (laughs) Somebody else says, where is Tony Blair? He's on a private yacht. A £200 million private yacht, I think owned by, was it Roman Abramovich? Or used to be owned by Roman Abramovich? Whatever it is. He's sitting on there, probably quaffing champagne, I should imagine. Uh, 84850. One here. Uh, I train... Many East Europeans, and I can tell you now, they complain constantly to each other about anything and nothing from the weather to the transport. All I can say about uh, Jamie is he's more likely paying the minimum wage and the promise of promotion. Well, put it this way, I, think, I don't think he is paying minimum wage. I think he's actually paying above that because he doesn't need to because his restaurants do very good business. And also the promise of promotion. That's an incentive for anybody, isn't it? If you go into a job, I mean, that makes perfect sense to me. Um... 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, it says here, Aggie says, it's not that the foreign workers are more hardy, the standards are lower. They don't mind sleeping 12 to a room, so the rent is lower. They don't need the higher wages. Well, they don't They do not do it like that. They don't do it like that. They don't sleep 12 to a room. I mean, that's ridiculous to just, they're all sleeping 12 to a room. I know some of the girls are married in there. Um, 84850, steve at uk and, uh, one up here, and, uh, somebody says, uh, don't keep running down the English workers. They don't want to work. Don't be stupid. They don't want to work. They're lazy. They're lazy. They'd rather stay at home, I'm afraid. They'd rather stay at home and sort of... They don't, that's why they don't put them in the, in the coffee shops. He doesn't want them in his restaurants, because they, he's having to keep chasing them all the time. Sorry, can you work? Can you work? No. Other people just get on with it, because they're grateful for the job, which is the way it should be. Independent, the heir to Blair. This is, uh... The Prime Minister now saying that Britain has a responsibility to take action to punish the morally indefensible use of chemical weapons by the Syrian regime, even without a UN mandate. You just get this horrible feeling. It's all going to go pear-shaped, don't you? You've just got this feeling somewhere deep down inside that we're going to make the biggest mistake that we've ever made in our lives. Uh, The USS Ramage, uh, which is a guided missile destroyer, is in the Middle uh, Eastern Mediterranean now. The Prime Minister arriving at number 10. They're going to recall Parliament. And they set... Uh, in fact, even the Times are saying that the West is set for a missile strike against Syria. This might not be the best advice. Uh, there's a picture here uh, of... Who's this one? Oh, it's the Duchess of Cambridge. Do you know, I thought she was completely unrecognisable. I don't know why. I was looking at her thinking, who's that? Didn't look like Kate Moss. Far too attractive. And uh, she's back after giving a month... Uh, a month after giving birth to Prince George shopping at Waitrose for groceries. She went unnoticed by fellow shoppers as she pushed a trolley through the car park. Well, you wouldn't expect to see her, would you? You would not expect to be going through the car park at Waitrose and they go, it's the Duchess of Cambridge. She appears to have a detective with her, just in case you get one of those sort of eager beaver people going, it's the Duchess of Cambridge. But I think Diana used to go out as well like that. I saw Diana a few times in London in in the back of a car uh, as she was whizzing about between appointments. And, And you just, you look, it's only because I was sort of used to seeing things like that. That uh, that I was I was sort of uh, able to recognise her. Front of the metro this morning. Syria, it could be war within days. I'm not sure I really want to hear this uh, this news. Most of the uh, the surveys say definitely not. And uh, here is uh, uh, a boy finds a bird. Boy saves bird. Boy finds bird has become his his inseparable companion, and it's it's quite a nice. It's really nice, actually, and I don't know where this is. Oh, it's in, um, it's in Russia, I think. Might be in Russia, and it's a scraggy-looking sparrow, and it it sits on this boy's shoulder, and it, they seem to be in separate. It's quite a sweet picture, really, uh, because this little chick. Uh, was was sort of abandoned when the, when the mother vanished ages and ages ago. And so Vadim took her in, nursed her to health during a holiday with his gran. When the time came to let her go, she refused to budge. And so he's now taking her all the way uh, back home to a place called Dudinka, which is about, you know, 1,100 miles away. And they're absolutely inseparable. Isn't that the sweetest thing ever? I told you the story ages ago, and we had photographs. We used to have a, a robin that... Um, uh, set a nest up in one of our cars. We had an open glove compartment, and used to come all over the country with us. This robin would sit on its eggs in the front of the car. It's probably out there somewhere now, listening to this program. Uh, eight four eight five, O oh, LBC dot co dot uk. Sadly, no more time. We're uh, we're out of time this morning, so uh, we wish you a pleasant day. We'll have a free podcast for you up in about 30 minutes time and I should go and get my blood test I'm going home for peanut butter on toast I've decided I can't wait for peanut butter on toast this morning never has peanut butter on toast sounded more appealing it's just even the word hot buttered toast and it kind of sells it to me even though I'm supposed to be cutting down on bread so I just can't face melon this morning and palmer ham I don't know why anyway uh you can download the podcast go to the LBC website. Don't forget to check out the new app, and don't forget that we're on Freesat as well now, on Freesat. So you can pick us up through Sky, Virgin Media, and now on Freesat. So no excuses for not staying tuned to uh, the nation's most popular, LBC 97.3. Have yourself a nice day. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning. More from Steve Allen from 4. Go to the LBC website. You can learn about the podcasting of the remainder of the programme and all the other shows on LBC. Nick and the team with you at 7 Coming up next, it's the Morning News with Lisa Aziz.